pyramids, UFOs, and copper chisels, oh my, with special guest, Johanna James. Episode 10 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to the podcast. I am your host Wayne along with my lovely co-host and wife Michelle. Hey there. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin where we cover such topics as UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, paranormal encounters, ghosts, the Michigan dog band, Bigfoot, and all things paranormal and strange in and around Michigan. Hey everybody, what's going on? Hey everyone. Boy, do we have a great show today. This is awesome. We have a very special guest for this episode, and that special guest is Miss Johanna James from the UK. Yes, this was a fun, fun interview to sit in on. This was one of those interviews that by the time that we were done talking with Johanna, um, Wayne and I were already talking about when we were going to book a trip to Egypt with everyone. Every time we talk to one of these guests that talk about the ancient technology, the evidence for ancient technology in Egypt, I just, I want to go there and see the two, the tube drill marks and the saw marks and the polished granite. I, man, I want to see that up close and personal. See, and I want to, you know, not only go there, learn more, take all of it in, but then run back to my mythology class and be like, hey, you guys, I got to show you something. <laughs> right. Check this out. Look at what I stole. I mean, I bought I mean, in Egypt. <laughs> so... That is one thing for our listeners today. You definitely need to question um, at the end, be like, hmm, do I want to go to Egypt now and check out the pyramids? Well, the good thing about that is that Johanna and Ben from Uncharted Axe and the Brothers of the Serpent, Kyle and Russ, they are actually putting some things together to get people in groups to go over to Egypt that is in the works. So when we find out more information about that, we'll make sure that we mention it in the podcast and uh, put links in the show notes and everything for everybody. So we got to do our big thank you to everybody. Once again, this community is actually incredible. I can't believe how much we are growing as a podcast. It seems to be happening like overnight. Everybody that's listening to this, you guys are amazing. Thank you for sharing the podcast. We are now listened to in over 50 countries around the world. It's insane, but we thank you very much for listening and for your time. So if you have a story you would like to tell, we would like to talk to you. You can reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a brief summary of your experience and we'll contact you to discuss things further and try to get you or your story on the podcast. And boy, do we have an interesting story for everybody tonight. So make sure you guys stick around and listen to this one. Just to let everybody know, we do have a merch store now. So we have swag. We do. And if you would like to support the podcast and wear some pretty cool swag, please make your way over to our merch store and check it out. 
Links will be provided in the show notes and on our Facebook pages. So make sure you head on over and check it out. All right, Michelle, I think it's that time. Really? Unfortunately. It is what's in the news. Yes. What is in the news? So in the news, the government has used nine pieces of paper with six six of those pieces of paper with any sort of information on them. That's right. On the 25th of June, 2021, for the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Preliminary Assessment Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So it's been in the works since 2004. And we got nine pages, but if you don't count the title page. And they got the order last August. And I the mean, appendix. In all reality, they were able to identify one of the 144 sightings, the other 143. You know, they admit they don't know. So they don't know. We don't know until they have something that they can actually study more into them, actually compare them to something. Yeah, it's, we have nine pieces uh, of paper. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but it is very telling in what they say they don't know. We'll just see. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about this because pretty much everybody else already is talking about this. However, coming up in the near future, there is going to be a panel discussion with some uh, very cool guests that we're yeah, going to have on the show. Sh- sh- we can't release any names yet. No, no. We're not going to release any names, but so. trust me, they'll be cool. So sorry, folks, if you were looking for some uh, really big news articles today, I think we're just going to leave it at that. Michelle, let's go ahead and get into shout outs. Well, first we have to our friends at the Midnight Truck Stop, hosted by Big T and Blue Knight, a very cool couple of guys with a great concept as they explore those strange and unexplained incidents that so many of us have experienced while traveling along desolate highways. Give them a listen as they collect stories from all around the country from truckers and travelers alike. Yeah, then we're going to go ahead and jump across the pond to the UK to Phenomena Magazine, the world's largest recognized e-zine of its kind. This is a free monthly publication, so all you have to do is go to their website and download it absolutely free. They look into things such as the strange, profound, unknown, and unexplained. They delve into the paranormal, UFOs, cryptozoology, the parapsychological, and Fortean events. Check the show notes for the link to the magazine. And coming up in August, we will be interviewed by the magazine. So be keeping an eye out for that for further information. We then have our guys from the Lost in the Dark podcast hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all our passions, but especially music in the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and the paranormal. What else would you expect? And now for something completely different, 
hailing from Dublin, Ireland, currently based in the county of Tipperary, the Two-Tone Murphy live streams. He live streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, showcasing, of all things, Microsoft Flight Simulator. With a focus on general aviation, the community of the Two-Tone Murphy Flying Circus was established, linking like-minded people together to share in their passion of aviation and flight simulation. Whether you are brand new to flight simulation or a seasoned veteran, we hope you enjoy your time with the community, which we call the Fireflies. So if you're into flight simulation and you like gaming and you want to fly with somebody online, check out twotonemurphy.com. Links will be provided in the show notes. And finally, we have Uncharted X with Ben Van Kirkwick. Ben is a longtime researcher and enthusiast of history, creating some incredible videos out on YouTube. Ben investigates places like Peru and Egypt, just to name a couple, as he searches for evidence of high technology being used by the ancient people. Amazing stuff. Check him out on YouTube at Uncharted X. And links will be provided to everything mentioned here in our show notes. We're now going to head over to Communication Corner this week. Um, this comes to us from a listener, and we will call her Maggie. So we're going to see that this is Maggie's story. This comes from, again, Discord. Um, she writes, I was the oldest child out of five kids and two adults camping in our grandparents' trailer at Pomona Lake in Kansas City, Kansas. I was 10. It was the end of the day around 8 p.m., still so light out. We had went to get our clothes and other stuff out of the car. About 200 feet away, there was a UFO, a triangle. We screamed for our moms as we looked at it for a couple of minutes. My mom said, let's go back inside. When we realized it was now dark and the clock said 12, we had lost four hours. The younger two were crying and screaming. I remember sitting on the couch shaking and scared, and I have started to remember more over the years. I have dreams about it, and I have remembered more, but not as much as I would like. I remember I was in a dark room. We all were. I just remember looking at my middle sister, who was sitting there quietly, tears streaming down her face. I looked to the right, there was a doorway and a light in a hallway. I saw two shadows. The next thing I remember was that I was on a table, but yet standing up. There was a bean crouched down looking at my hip. My mom and aunt just remember that we lost four hours. I'm the only one that remembers anything else. We were supposed to stay the whole weekend, but we ended up leaving the next morning. Now, some additional notes that came from Maggie was that she was born um, with a hip joint not completely formed and that she had had surgery as an infant, that they had placed plastic in there so that it would form right. But every time that she would try to remember or, or dream of this, the bean is always replaced with an important man in her life. So at first it was her dad, then it became her husband and she didn't know her husband when she was 10. So she can't seem to picture what they looked like and she wishes that she could remember more. 
Well, it sounds like a classic kind of abduction case and a manipulation of memory. The fact that these things, whatever they are, changed her memory so that instead of being able to picture the creatures or the beings that were uh, examining her, they have replaced that those images in her head with like her father, her husband, those those images. It's very very. You know, I look at this of the the time manipulation. The adults remember that they lost four hours. The you know she remembers that they lost four hours. You know, there is a reason why that family trip was abruptly stopped. You know, and they end up leaving the next morning when they were supposed to stay the whole entire weekend. So something happened. Well, this reminds me of the interview we did with Terry Lovelace where him and his friend Toby were abducted and they uh, were abducted by a craft that was a large triangle, like extremely large, kind of like what we saw. And they lost time and Terry had implants. And I do remember asking Maggie if she had anything on her body, any kind of... uh, injections or implants or anything like that. And she said, no, she was pretty sure the only thing she had was a, a surgical scar on her hip, which this creature seemed to be interested in because of the way that she was born with the issue with the hip joint. So very, very scary story again from one of our listeners, you know, and again, why we say, if you have a story for us, you know, you can always reach out to us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to get your stories out on Communication Corner. Yeah, and most importantly is that if you have an experience like this, you are not alone. I mean, this is only the second of many conversations we've had with people about their story and their interaction with these beings, whatever they are. I don't want to use the word aliens because you don't know, right? They're alien to us. So I guess you could use that. But you are not alone, okay? And you don't even have to be a believer, but something happened. And uh, a lot of these are not the woo-woo, happy-go-lucky, flower children of the 60s kind of a mentality. These are creatures or things that are abducting people and leaving them with traumatic experiences and also um, manipulated memory. Well, after going through that story and recollection, I think it's time we take a break. Yeah, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. And it's time, everyone. I am so excited for this. Oh, this is a good one. Hey, this is our very first Actress and comedian on the show. This is where I want to go. The British are coming. The British are coming. Well, they came, they talked to us, and they left. So, uh, everyone, just get ready to sit back, relax, as we welcome to the podcast the lovely and talented Miss Chahana James. Thank you for having me. I'm very Uh, excited. Yes, this is going to be awesome. So, Uh, For our audience, can you tell 
them and us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so um, I'm British. Um, I For the last <laughs> five years, I've been making like comedy sketches, comedy content on YouTube, um, more Facebook, Instagram. and Which are then, brilliant, by the way. Thank you. And then um, about a year ago, actually during the lockdown, I just got really into ancient mysteries. It was kind of the only thing I could focus on while we were in lockdown. And uh, like, well, I don't know how it was for you guys, but in England, we we couldn't leave our house for months. It was, we were locked, locked down. Um, and I found it quite hard to concentrate on anything but ancient mysteries. I've always loved history, but then I really zoned into like prehistoric times. And I just went down, I went down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Um, and then I ended up going on a trip to Egypt and I met Ben from Uncharted X. I met Jimmy. Ooh, just had on. Yep. Yes. Uh, I met a whole bunch of them. And then, and then uh, I thought, oh, I'll make a vlog maybe of my time. Um, and I had enough footage to make about nine. And I've just kept going and we built a little community and I'm just, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that kind of goes into my next question that I want to ask you, which was, what made you really get into exploring ancient history and questioning the prescribed timeline that's offered up by mainstream and the academics? You kind of hinted to it, but could you dive a little deeper into that? Um, yeah, so it was it was actually before the pandemic. It was, I think, a year or two ago, I came across jimmy from bright inside I, I came across his atlantis video and i watched it and stuff was just firing off in my head and i was like wait 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 hold on hold on um i, I just thought atlantis was like a sci-fi kind of concept I, I hadn't really looked into it and so jimmy made me have a think and have a bit more of a google have a bit more of a research and i think so i, I would say he he kind of hooked me into the whole topic um and it just kind of spitballed from there. Yeah. And uh, you did talk about you had, uh, before we started recording, you talked about having a screenplay that you were doing yes. some research in. Is that correct? And that kind of led you to Egypt? Yeah. I mean, so um, I write, I, I make comedy content for online, but I also write uh long form like tv series comedy content but my my genre my what i'd write is very much tv comedy pilots um and i had this idea after just like filling my brain with all well, opening up my brain maybe to all of the ancient um history mysteries i was in my kitchen and making a drink and i just saw the first five minutes of this movie of of like a historical action movie I'm thinking like Titanic for the younger Dryas Comet event kind of movie and I was like gotta write this down so I went and I scribbled down kind of what had gone into my head and I started to write over the next few days and I got about 25 pages into this screenplay and but I, I was also like why am I what, why did this idea come to me I don't write historical um scientific action movies I write like daytime tv comedy um but I thought well just go with it the ideas come to me so I'll just follow it through and then I realized oh I can't I can't finish it I don't know and I think I'm gonna have to go to Egypt I'm just gonna have to go to Egypt to finish this script um so that's why I started to look for tours and I was looking at when would the next available tour, and I found Ben's and was like okay I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna keep the ideas come to me I'm gonna follow it through 
and I'm so glad I went and um, I on the tour I, m- I managed to meet like George Howard who was he's the kind of like Tusk. yes he's like the go-to man for the kind of Younger Dryas Comet event and I literally like sat him down and was like I need all the science give me all the science because I want to put all the science <laughs> into this movie and he was he was kind of excited about it because um where the world of like ancient mysteries um, it's hard because everybody who thinks outside of the box or thinks kind of alternatively to like the mainstream way you very very quickly get shut down as pseudoscientists oh it's all woo um you know very quickly you lose a lot of credit (laughs) and 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 also people are very scared to like on tv or to put um anything out there really documentary wise um because of this whole battle between the academics and the science and everything um so if there was a movie, if there was like a dramatized movie that had all of the science and all of like the documentary stuff that you would want to tell an audience, but you presented it in a fun action Hollywood, it's a, it would be a way that you could, with Netflix now, you could reach 80 million people and mm-hmm. tell 80 million people more about the Younger Dryas Comet event on the theories about it. You could, you could use that, um, I don't know. So I'm very excited to try and enter if I can infiltrate the the TV world or the movie world, because I also think a lot of stuff would get through the the gate there because you haven't got those safeguardings of like, well, is this a proper science documentary? Because it can be under the guise of like, well, it's essentially a fantasy movie, but it's not. But it is. But it's not. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, on the we we did on the the, the tour we had um so many tour rides like bus rides every day through Egypt, going from Giza to Aswan and all around, and so I was just like there was about 30 of us on this tour and we were like spitballing ideas for the movie. People were getting involved. Some people were having arguments. They were getting really like emotionally invested in this movie being like, no, it has to end like this. And like, no, it has to end like this. They must survive. They mustn't survive. No, like that's, yeah. And people were like, it was one point we were like, okay, calm down guys, calm down. It's like, it's a movie idea. Um, But people were immediately getting invested in it. And I was like, okay. This is cool. Get a bunch of cr- cr- very creative people in a room and that's bound to happen. Yeah. Or, or on a tour in Egypt where everybody's just charged up. I'm sure that's uh, and, and it's funny that you bring up the younger Dryas impact hypothesis. Cause that was my next question I wanted to throw at you. Weird. So yeah. Um, we have not planned this. No, we, we <laughs> did no not. Other, right. Other than just kind of coming on the call together and, yeah. All right. So speaking of that, I had Ben from Uncharted X and um, soon to be released, Kyle and Russ from the Brothers of the Serpent podcast. And we talked about the younger, driest impact hypothesis. And I want to know with now that you got with George Howard in the from the Cosmic Tusk and mm-hmm. you had him divulge all the science to you. Where do you fit in on that? And the main reason I asked this question, I'm kind of asking everybody this question is that in my mind, it's, this is very paranormal in, in the way that it's borderline conspiratorial in in the fact that so much human history seems to be uh, hidden from our modern day society. And they just kind of hand wave it. And I think it has to do with the whole catastrophes playing a huge part of shaping human civilization, Mm -hmm. which then gives credibility to the ancient uh, flood myths out there 
which science can't seem to, you know, have at the same time. I don't know why both things can't be true at the same time. But so that's why I've been asking everybody these same kind of questions and in, in leading into this. So what's your take on this? Uh, well, yeah, so George, he led me to the, the Cosmic Tusk website. And there's literally like a library, it has all thousands of the papers. Um, sorry, if there's a sound, that's my I've given my dog a chew. <laughs> to keep him <laughs> quiet, okay. I've got, got a little puppy. We got and, random cats running through the house. And okay, so that's they the start that's- screaming at some point. <laughs> all right it's all part of it um but yeah so George led me to that and I and I you can read you can literally read like all the papers and also it's really fair because there are the papers for the papers against and the papers that are kind of like undecided so it's a really balanced oh there's way more papers for but it is about it's not just like a I don't know website shouting from one side and I, I, I quite like that um I like myself to say like I am majority I'll go with science. There's a part of me that is open to almost anything because I think that it's important to open up your brain because if you close one part of it, I think that's half the problem. Um, and, and I think if we all just like opened it a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning towards the comet theory um, from just the papers that I've, that George sort of led me to um, George seems like a real smart guy and he's really, he's really into it. And, and again, Randall Carlson as well. Like you kind of, you, you meet people's different people's work and they kind of start to cross reference each other uh, at certain points. And you're you're like, yep, yep, yep. And so looking into like the geology of like the impact sites that they found and the nano diamonds that are in the, like there's that whole, the black level, layer, the, the black layer, yeah, and you can yeah. physically see it as well as all these like all the science that's coming out. There is so much science to this, um, but I do think that there is something, and this is where it, science meets like human psychology meets. There is something that blocks people from being able to have that like open mindedness, and I don't know what it is because I have certain members of my family who are seriously blocked and I'm coming at them with um, all of the science that I find, or I'm like, Hey, look, they found there's a study that found this about this. Or like it's Atlantis is plausible from a scientific point of view. And they, I show them the science and they literally go, nah, but no, Plato made it up. But Plato obviously made it up. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like I'm showing you evidence. I can't show you much more. What, what, why are you resisting? Like what happens if your brain is almost like there is a sort of some people have kind of like those things that horses have to kind of blink at them. Yeah, the blinders. Yeah. And some people don't. And and that's fine. But I, I'm really interested in the study of like, why is it that some people, is it your environment? Is it genetic? Is it some, they're doing loads of studies into like delayed trauma or inherited trauma through your DNA. And I was like, do, have we almost as a human society imagine we were so traumatized that we all just collectively don't want to listen to anything that's that bad because right. what's scary is if the if the younger driest comet theory is true because some people go well why are you so interested in this like what's the point of it and i'm like because it could happen again i mean if if they prove scientifically that we're on this kind of cycle of cataclysms like when's the next one right <laughs> are you ready 
Do you know how to survive in the wild? I don't. I have no idea what plants I can eat and not eat, or where do I get water that doesn't just come out of my tap in my house? Right. Terrifying, terrifying thoughts. Um, George did say something as well. Actually, this is one thing that I was like, well, actually, I don't know if I can say it. Oh, I guess I'll say it. Um, <laughs> Go for it. He said that he's been having meetings with, or, or no, not he, maybe he didn't have a meeting, but he spoke with somebody from the American military and they are taking the findings of the younger drives comet theory so seriously that they are that they're looking into it they now have some sort of defense team that are strategizing what to do if a similar comet did impact the north american state again so it it's wow. like it, it's that serious that people are starting to go okay we should probably have some sort of backup plan or protocol or something if this is right um and that was quite exciting that that it's so it's not just people debating it on the internet like governments and militaries are are starting to go okay i mean i might have just given away some serious american government <laughs> secret there i don't know but i overheard it right well and every now and then you'll run ac across one of those videos where they have like those underground secret bunkers yes and they're like the the great conspiracy theory of the government but it's like uh the seed vaults right? yeah it's like where where are they and who are they going to you know give out the lottery to to actually end up in one of those well God, think yeah. about think about hollywood and how they've made you know movies like armageddon and you know all the movies about leaving planet earth and, and as our technology improves and we can look into outer space more we're finding out space isn't empty, especially in our solar system. You know, every time, you know, almost every day we're getting reports of a piece of a comet going by. Uh, one I saw recently was there was a, a asteroid that they found or a piece of a comet that is on such a long uh, orbit around the sun that it goes all the way back into the Oort cloud on the outskirts of our solar system and then, you know, comes back around. So there's a lot of things out there. And if you need evidence, look at the moon. If you want to know how much stuff has been floating around our solar system, look at those craters on the moon. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, that's, uh, so I, I have to agree. My, my hat is in the camp for the, the, the younger driest impact hypothesis. The evidence almost seems overwhelming at this point, but you're right. There are some people out there that will say, well, you're just looking at all of the anomalies that we can't explain. It's like, okay, you have a black mat layer that's been found all around the world where pretty much all of the forest on the planet were burning at some point. Right. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, this is the thing where we we look at human history right now. And the more you look, the more holes you find, the more question marks. And the more that you realize that there are many, many people out there who are completely fine with living with question marks, doesn't bother them. There's big holes in the timeline of history that literally don't make sense. And when you bring them up, the academics go, don't know. We had Even in Egypt, I was deliberately asking some of the people there, okay, but like, how, how about this? Like, can you explain this to me? And at one point a guy just, he just turned away. He didn't know what to say. <laughs> he just walked he away from you. He just, was, he just went like, hmm, I just walked off. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't answer my question, dude. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that 
I think that I just not forgot what I was saying because I. <laughs> well, that's kind of like like what Ben was saying about being in South America. He was asking some questions of one of their guides, and you know his response was, "You must be one of those people that think aliens did it." It's like no, no, no. Why don't people ask these questions? If humans have been here three hundred thousand, maybe even far as back as four hundred thousand years, what happened? And I don't understand the pushback, but just remember what I thought. Remember what I was saying. Um, I was saying that the um, that there are these holes in the timeline, and there are these question marks that appear. However, if you rejig a few things and you pull the timeline back, and you put you accept the younger Dryas comet theory, and you accept the pre-civilization, and you accept the cyclistic notion of humanity, everything fits. There aren't any holes. like there is no question marks it's all there and so we can either live in a world where we have holes and question marks um which i can't i can't live with that um or if you just literally sort of slide things about a little bit and open our minds and stuff then then the holes disappear and everything makes sense and you're like okay well that's why we have these remnants of things that were obviously not built by the people who we attribute to build them that there's of course there was this right and you know there was probably an ancient civilization who was more advanced than the ancient people that we think are ancient and it just makes sense um and 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 that i find really weird that people would choose to believe in a timeline that doesn't make sense rather than choose to believe one where all the questions are answered or like more so yeah maybe just because it's easier to uh, compartmentalize your mind and mm. you can close those things off since they don't directly affect you it's like "Eh, i'm just living right now in this moment why is that even important to me um you know and you know we we don't like thinking about dangerous things you know and maybe it goes back to that whole dna thing you were talking about that if you look us being alive right now, we had to have a series of ancestors that successfully survived back from different cataclysms. And those things could be passed down in such a way in our, in our genes that uh, we just don't like talking about those things. What do you mean? We might be hit by a comet someday. I, no, I'm not talking about that. Where's my phone at? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like in Harry Potter, like he who must not be named, like they don't even, it's like the bad stuff happened, but it's fine. Like, no, 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 but it's dangerous. He's going to come back. No, no, we don't even talk about that. We just don't even. And yeah, I feel like, I mean, yeah, it's quite scary. Cause like, again, I feel so we, we really big ourselves up as a society now. We're like, Oh my God, we've got so much technology. Like, look, my phone can do this. But when you actually break down what technology does for us, it actually just takes away a lot of our skills. I remember as a kid, I I learned like orienteering at school. I do not know how to go anywhere now without a GPS. I literally, I set off from my house and I don't even know where I'm going because I just trust that my little machine's going to tell me where I am and how I'm going to get home again. And, and I wouldn't even know how to start getting home in London. Like, I, I think I tried to work out once I tried to work out like a landmark that I could see from my house. So I was like, okay, in an emergency, I could walk to that landmark and then it would take me like right. a day. But, but the skills that we would have, and then I'm thinking about like ancient humans and they would be able to know where they were just looking at the sky and being like, yep, it's about this time. And I'm about over here. And I'm like, that's a skill <laughs> we don't have anymore. Or like, 
just like survival skills. How would you, how would you keep warm? Or how would you survive a storm? How do you know what's dangerous and not dangerous to eat? I don't know. I just eat what's in the supermarket. And I just, so we, I feel like as much as we congratulate ourselves and we're like, wow, Elon Musk, oh my God, we're so amazing. Um, are we, are we the most, I'm, I don't feel like the most intelligent human. Right. I feel almost dumbed down by technology because I use it. And I mean, now we don't even have That's to a use good point. I just tell, I just tell my, my um, Alexa to do something order something buy something i'm like wow i i'm literally don't have to do anything anymore and and i don't feel that useful what was the uh was it a pixar movie was it wally where mm. all the humans kind of died off but they created those robots yeah it was wally yeah yeah and uh yeah it, it, it's so weird i mean and, and it seems like too in the back of our minds we already kind of know this about technology. I mean, I'm nobody special when it comes to thinking about these things, but then you see in the, uh, out in Hollywood, you know, uh, the matrix is a good one, right? The red mm. pill or the blue pill. Do you, in my takeaway was just like you're saying, put the blinders on the one guy who betrayed everybody. Just put me back in. I want a nice steak, even though it's fake, yeah. just put me back in. And I don't care about you guys. I want to go back to living that fantasy world. And I think our technology really builds up a fantasy world where we don't have to think about these things. It's, yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just like VR now in your house. Like, I mean, technology is amazing and I love technology. I work on the internet. Look at us. A good tool. I'm talking to you in a different time zone, in a different place. And I can see your face is amazing, but it does when I, the more, I think, I feel like I've taken the pill. And now I can see a bit differently and, and I'm just seeing more humanity on this like massive scale and like where we are and like where we're going. And I'm like, I was like, actually we're losing some of the very basic things. Like, I don't know if, if a cataclysm hit tomorrow, who would survive? Not me. And what would you pass (laughs) on? Or like there would be nothing left because everything is digital. All my, photos are digital all my work is digital like there's nothing there would be nothing left of anything much um i'm like wow and then you think about ancient people and they actually built these incredible structures that are probably going to be around for the next twenty thousand, thirty thousand years i mean the pyramids ain't going anywhere they are like right. solid now <laughs> with amazing. with what you were just saying was this some kind of a a revelation that you've come to since being to egypt like when you saw those structures, was there kind of like uh, an awakening in your consciousness? And, and no, I'm not going woo woo people. Calm down. A little but bit. Woo. Maybe a little bit. But, you know, you're talking about awakening the, the consciousness and, and, and coming to some of these realizations about, you know, the objective world. Uh, it, it's really fascinating that, you know, you've gone to Egypt and you've seen these huge yeah megalithic structures and wonder how did people with you know the the copper chisel i always have to laugh about that but um and i do want to talk about some of the evidence that you saw here in a minute but uh, just run with that for a minute what what was that like for you um well yeah so all i'd seen is just i'd seen ben's videos and ben's videos i would say are one of the closest things on the internet 
to being there and seeing it because he just lets the camera roll in 4K. They're fantastic. And it's really good. Um, but actually going is an, you get put in your place as a human being. This the, the You can't fully comprehend the weight and the size of it until you see it for your eyes, seeing it on a picture or a movie. Like these bricks are, you, you just automatically see that there's a problem. You're like, this is so heavy. Just technically, how did they move it? How? Like how? This stuff you can see in Karnak in the temple where they're trying to do repair work and there's this huge broken crane because they broke a crane trying to move one of the blocks to like restructure or repair something. And I'm like, okay, this is like the modern technology. We're breaking modern technology in trying to do what these ancient people did. What almost looks like with ease, they were showing off the amount of weight that the, the distance they could travel the weight it was yeah i i felt like the world is older than i'd ever experienced i felt smaller I, you were just in awe like you can't not respect you can't go and see the pyramid and be on the plateau and be like oh this is a whole nother level of crazy yeah it's crazy and the yeah. there there is oh, i'm it's spiritual, but not, but, but I'm like, I'm that, I'm that sort of like 60% science, but I'm open to other stuff. And it, there were, we went around loads of different sites and, and yeah, there are, there, there is like atmospheres around some of these sites and you can, you can just tell what's, you know, what you felt different at your hotel than you, you did. There's the dog. <laughs> Obi, inside, lie down. Lie down. All right. We have to ask, what kind of dog do you have? Um, He's a little, oh, I can bring him up. He's called Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is that a corgi? He, he, no. Oh. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't like me. <laughs> he's not a corgi. Um, he's a Pomeranian Jack Russell cross. Um, oh, okay. But he looks like just like a corgi for anyone listening who can't see him. And that's him growling. Um, he's basically a puppy, though. It's okay. It's all right, buddy. He appears in a lot of my... Um, YouTube videos. He sits yeah, behind. Yes. Obi. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, there's strangers on the screen. No, there must be like there must be somebody in the in the garden or something. He's being a bit of a god dog. Yeah. Obi. I'm, I'm talking about the bad vibes in Egypt and then right. <laughs> um, but yeah, but some of the sites, um, the temple sites, um, yeah, you were super like energizing and I could, there was, um, so like Karnak and, um, there's a place in Abu Sir where there's this huge, like crystal, calcite crystal. It almost looks like a, I don't even know, like a kind of altar type thing. They don't know what it is. It looks like a massive crystal altar. And, we were allowed to turn off our cameras because you're not really supposed to, but our tour guide, we got special permission and we were had to turn off our cameras and we got to all go and lie down on this crystal altar, about 10 of us. And we got to like repeat a, like a really ancient um, commission sort of chant that you would do there. And you're supposed to have like blue Lotus and like a proper ceremony. And I don't know, it didn't, it, it 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 wasn't like, oh my goodness, I feel electricity, but it was it was like, okay, this is this is a very special site in the world. And is all, all the ancients they mark and they put their sites in very specific places. And you can feel it. It's just a different 
even one of the sites in Karnak, there was um, trees that don't grow vertically, they grow horizontally. There's something there around the temple. And then um, Yusef, who's our tour guide, who's absolutely amazing, School of Chemitology, um, he was explaining that around some, certain of the temples, the trees grow <laughs> to the side rather than grow up. It's really crazy. And they just, they do like weird, they do weird, twisty, growing along the ground things. Um, so there's something going on with nature there that's probably completely explainable with nature and the dynamics of it all and and the, the magnetic energy that's around that site. But there's a reason why the ancients chose that site specifically and not the one down the road. And yeah. you can feel it. And the tombs, the tombs did not feel nice at all. They're like dug right down into the, into like the, the mountains. And even though they're painted with beautiful colors and it, you just didn't feel good. You're like, well, I'm literally in a grave and um mm -hmm. it didn't it didn't feel nice at all i remember jimmy come up and being like i don't like it in here like it feels like really horrible i'm like yeah i don't really like it in here either whereas in the pyramids we were running around the pyramids like little kids it was great like which, which kind of goes to the the whole idea maybe uh people listening to this if you don't know there's never been any of the pyramids opened where they've found any type of a sarcophagi or anything like that, if I'm oh, yeah. correct. And no there's no writing, there's no writing, no hieroglyphs or anything inside of mm -hmm. any of the pyramids, except for one that they think might be some type of a graffiti or something like that at some point. But all the burials and stuff happen in a different location and they're usually underground that you can get to. Is that correct? Yeah, so the um, there has been no original burial found in any pyramid. And there are like over 100 pyramids in Egypt that have been like excavated. Um, there, I think the, I want to say the Step Pyramid had what they call unoriginal burials. So people at later dynasties or later um, people after the Egyptians started to bury people in there, but they weren't the, in the original place. So, so yeah, the, 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 the idea that, that you can call them tombs I mean, number one, you have to have a body for it to be a grave. Like, like the number one thing, what makes it a grave? Well, the dead body. Um, I, without it, it's just a a place or a hole or something. Um, so yeah, I, uh, that for number one is like, I was like, oh, so so there's 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 never ever categorically ever, and the Egyptologists will tell you that they're like, well, no, actually, no, we've never actually found a body, but they say it's because. Oh, because grave robbers nick the body. But grave robbers steal like stuff, like jewels and gold and right. thing, 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 possessions that they can. They don't steal bodies. And also when there has been grave robberies of other, other like tombs, what they do is they smash everything open looking for stuff that they can use. And then they leave anything. So they'll smash stuff open. And inside every pyramid, there's not even like smashed stuff. So what you saying the grave robbers literally like forensically stripped these pyramids and they took everything like down. You'd, you'd find little fractions of like wooden boxes or pots containing things or stuff that they didn't really want. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing in the pyramids. When you climb into them, it's like a machine. I felt like I was inside a factory or some sort of machine. It, it, I would. It felt like in maybe 3000 years people climbing around the inside of like chernobyl and being like 
oh wow, this was an ancient place where they buried their prime ministers. Like, like right? No, <laughs> it's, um, it was it was a mach- it was like it was a machine. It felt like a huge industrial. Um, it, it wasn't ornate or beautiful, like like all the um, the tombs that you went into into the rock. Right. What? Right. They were accessible easily. You just walked. You didn't even have to bend down or anything. It was really high. It was really wide. You could possibly fit maybe five, six people in a line and you could all walk in together. You could do a procession carrying something because it's easily fit. Lots of And people. they're like completely decorated as well on the way. Oh, down. beautiful. Yeah. Every yeah. every scrap of the wall is decorated. Um, you've got like the stories. You could easily see the stories of every king or every person that was buried there, the priest or whatever, whoever they were. Um, whereas in the pyramids, not only is they so inaccessible, if you do crawl in you have to it's three foot wide by three foot wide we were all being like well, i have a fear of um i've got claustrophobia Absolutely. <laughs> i had to face my fear i my my it was true my fear was a little bit less than my interest in seeing the inside of a pyramid so i had to just push through it and by the end of like we did it for 14 days straight by the end of it I was great. I was crawling under the subterranean in the Great Pyramid on my own in the dark. I was like, wow. It's like fear factor. It was brilliant. <laughs> but, um, but at first it was like, oh dear. And I remember I was behind George Howard on the way in on the first one. I was just like, keep talking to me, George. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, you, they're not accessible. You can't, there's no way you'd be dragging a dead body. Also, it was like one of those, um, the, the, in the, the Bent Pyramid we went into first, you had to climb up to the middle of the pyramid where it is. So that must have been 50 foot in the air. We climbed up a ladder to enter the pyramid. And then you go down this three foot by three foot shaft, not really designed for humans to crawl down. And you have to go down it um, on your hands and knees or you hit your head or you hit. And then you're going down at what felt like, I think it was 90 meters. We went down. I don't know what that is in feet. But we went down a long way, and then you go down to go up. It's it's like you're doing zigzags, right. and it, it's like imagine dragging. You would have to drag a corpse in the most undignified. You'd be bashing it around. Also, the reason why you can climb in and out today is because there's wooden. They've put in wooden like slates so that you can kind of actually climb out. But right. before, there's no way to. How do you climb out from that? So what you just send people in to never come out like it's it's just not where you would do a funeral procession or if you did it would be hilarious it would be like some sort of stooge movie trying to watch somebody get a body in and out of those pyramids because it's like a labyrinth of these tiny little shafts it's 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 not um it was very mission impossible yeah and um speaking of that because i do want to ask you about the uh the evidence for high technology that you found um, there in the creation of artifacts, but in this kind of builds off of that. So I've asked uh, Ben this question and what would you define as evidence or, or at least ancient advanced high technology in, in, so in your mind, if you looked at something, you said, that had to be created with some kind of machinery or whatever. What's the first thing that jumps to your mind? I think I might know, but I want to see what you say. Um, for me, it's the saw marks in, 
in the granite blocks that you saw everywhere. And it's not like they were they found one or two. They are everywhere in every site all over Egypt. And they're in the plain open. Um, and I guess if you didn't know about rocks and, and stone masonry, then you wouldn't initially see it and be like, oh my God, ancient technology. But luckily on the tour, I was with a couple of like proper uh, stonemason and stone workers they've been working 30 40 years in the field and they've gone on this like once in a lifetime trip because they were like i want to see these stones for real and th- seeing them like just lose themselves over finding and i was getting them to explain to me okay can you explain just as a layman i don't understand about stones and rocks and they were like okay this is why this is incredible the 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 hardness of the granite this rock is so naturally hard that it is impossible to cut this stuff with copper. It, it's impossible. Uh, it, it just, you physically, scientifically cannot do it. It's just, there's just no way. And I was like, okay, I'm interested. And then they were like, not only that, um, from from the, the very technical um, ways you can look inside and you can see, um, they, they were like, whatever was cutting this was moving at speed, faster than a hand tool. It was moving at speed. And also it, it, the mistakes as well. You see mistakes all over Egypt where these people were cutting it and they'd gone too far and they go, whoop, back up. And then you've got this saw mark left in granite that's maybe maybe up to like four or five inches long. And if you were chiseling with a hand tool, it that would take you weeks. You'd be going the wrong way for weeks. Someone's going to notice that you're going the wrong way after, you know, of days and weeks of chiseling. Um, but if you were going through this thing at speed, it's, you know, it's easily done. I'm, I'm sure everybody's used a like hand tool or, or something mm-hmm. uh, or scissors sure. even. And you're cutting through something at speed and you're like, whoop, wrong way. Um, it's very normal. And, and you can just see where they were just making mistakes all over the place. And that was really impressive. Um, and they and, and there's so I got excited because the experts were getting excited and once you see it and you understand what you're looking at you can't it's very exciting and and you go okay something something cut this that is inexplainable to human history right now well and where i was hoping you were gonna go and you kind of did was the uh all of the granite quote-unquote pottery and that's not the correct terms for it but you were pottery, not pottery. Yeah, it's not pottery, but they put it in cases with pottery so that people will think, oh, yeah, they just put a slab of granite on a you know spinning wheel and they just made it wet and they molded it. But that's not the case. You can see those striations and granite is, you know, a hardness of like six and a half, seven on Mo's hardness scale. So you need something a lot harder to, to shape that rock. And it looks perfect i mean absolutely symmetrical um and i was gonna uh think that maybe you were gonna bring up the boxes in the serapium so oh yeah oh god there's just so there's so many many things (laughs) okay yeah so the top three the top three like smoking guns for me would be the mistakes of the cutting of the saw marks in the granite um the the serapium boxes the precision is here and the size and the weight. I saw a picture of you. Yeah. I saw a picture of you on top of one of them. They're, they're ridiculous. They're, they're huge. 
I was trying to get that picture. I was, Jimmy was jumping over and I was freaking out because it was one of the first days and I was like being really good and being like, Jimmy, you're not allowed to go over there. And he was like, I got to get the shot. And like, I was taking loads and loads of pictures of him. And then I, and then I got brave and was like, okay, Jimmy, take my picture. Um, so I jumped in and did it. Um, but Jimmy, uh, yeah, I think he was just too excited and they all came out really blurry. And afterwards he was like, oh, sorry, I ruined that for you. So I have a very blurry picture of me jumping on the Serapian boxes. And the third one would be, the pottery but not pottery stone bowls vases um incredibly delicate ornate sometimes the the they've they've carved the stone so thin you can see through it it's like almost ridiculous millimeters thin stone which is so strong but also vulnerable and could shatter if you chiseled it so they didn't chisel it so what the hell did they do um like the schist disc oh yes i was very carefully say that one very carefully um but that also was like so those kind of things of the, the smoking gun and not only th- th- this like pottery yeah you'd call it pottery because you don't know what else but it is is bowls and and things that are just they're carved but there's nothing there's no tool today that could carve that and the that. the amount of polishing as well I mean, well and then and then they get to the lids and they just give up oh yeah that was hilarious <laughs> i mean it's it's like it becomes a joke. Like once you get into this stuff, there's loads of like in-house jokes and everyone, you can just say copper chisels and everybody will laugh. And, and yeah, like the, <laughs> the, they have the, the bottom of these pots, precision made pots that it honestly looks like it's been 3d modeled. Like you could say that that was made for like a shop now and you would believe it. It just looks like a 3d model of like resin. It's that perfect and smooth and beautiful. And then the lids looks like a five-year-old did it at craft day with a bit of clay. And they're like, there's dried cow pie. (laughs) Yeah, And they're like, they're the lids for those pots. Whoever made the pot didn't make the lid. Like, and then they're like, yeah, they did. I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, and the, yeah, I mean the Serapium, and what was really cool about Serapium, um, if you've seen my video, you'll you'll know because we got special access. There was nobody there when we went in 2020 because there's nobody was traveling, so we were the only tourist group in Egypt. So we got a lot of special permissions, and we also got to access these sites kind of privately because there was nobody else there. So we went down to the Serapium alone, and we got chatting to the the manager of the Serapium who is on the site. And he said, he was like, okay, like off the record, I can let you know that we have discovered like another tunnel that goes right out. Um, But we've got to get the funding to clear it because it's just full of rubble and thousands of years of stuff. Um, But we're we're making headway through and we think that there are another 20 boxes. Good Lord. on, On the other side. So there are 20 of these huge, like 80 ton precision cut boxes somehow they got them down there like so the boxes themselves are a puzzle to the brain because they're made entirely out of one block of granite precision cut so they must have been cut down there in but then how did they get them down there because the serapium is underground tunnel system these boxes weigh so much that they would take i think it's 300 men it would take to carry or push and pull these boxes but the the walkway of the Serapium, the tunnels that go underground are maybe maximum 12 foot wide. 
Yeah, there's no way. There's, there's no, no way, way you can get you can get 300 men. I think we could we could get maybe with a bot. There was one box that stuck in one of the tunnels. Oh it's yeah, an, yeah. It's an unfinished one, and beside it, you can fit one person and the wall. How? 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 So so we're all there, like our brains just like failing Wooden sleds. <laughs> I mean, it was a very long conga line. Like it was, it was. Right. Um, it was so it, your brain hurt after the end of the day because there just isn't an answer. So you have to just tap out at some point and be like, you know what? It's a mystery. But, but the fact that there are potentially 20 more that, so I'm, I'm, if, if there was funding, these places have no funding, nobody can make any money from this. Nobody's funding it. I like, I want to, if I met Elon Musk or anybody, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> right. give me, just give me a budget and I will, literally implode the human history timeline for you um and yeah they they 20 more boxes unopened untouched since who knows when i mean they date sakara to like the old kingdom however um, ben thinks it's like a lot older and i'm I'm with ben on yeah that one. a lot older and, and now if you read in certain places and depending on what you watch or learn about the serapium was there ever anything found in those boxes? No, nothing. Well, Not they were all empty. And then there was one that was still shut. It was still sealed. And so like in the 1800s, they were like, oh, let's blow it up and have a look. <laughs> um, so they blew open this like one of probably, probably one of the oldest human artifacts on the planet. They just put some dynamite on it. and Absolutely nothing inside. Um, so, there should be if they if they ask because the, the going the, the explanation for it is that they were cow coffins yeah the uh asp is it the asp bull or something like yeah, they that? were like oh they're for the cows they're for the bulls uh, yeah. i was like what because they'd look they'd locally found some wooden boxes with some bulls in and i'm like well that's not a big enough jump like a lot of egyptology i've realized that if you took it to like a court and you actually argued it in court, half of it would be, should be thrown out as absolute jibble jabble because it doesn't, the, the, the connections that they make, you, you, they're like, oh, it must be for cows because they found one over there that was for a cow, but it was wooden. So this one must be. I was like, that's not, that's not even evidence. Um, and, and there's nothing inside these things. There's nothing, there's nothing buried in them. That wasn't their purpose. They're not, they're not coffins. What, um, what do you think they're, their purpose was i mean I, i'm asking you to speculate and uh, speculate okay. and go well, way then, out there yeah um any ideas well recently i saw this really interesting thing um i think i want to say somewhere in um in scandinavia so maybe denmark finland somewhere they are have found a new way to get rid of toxic waste and they're basically quadrilling right down and they are sealing in these like cylinder, almost like sarcophagi. They're sealing the waste, and that it's it's how they're going to safely like get rid of their toxic waste. Um, I don't think that that the serapium was for that, but but I think along those lines of there's something to do with being cored into. There's a reason why they're kept underground. There's a reason why they're there. There's a reason why they're that shape, and that they weren't. It would have been easier to make them out of lots of pieces of granite but they cut them specifically out of one block which is a lot harder to do it's actually impossible to do by today's um technology you'd minimum have to make it out of five blocks and bolt it together they wouldn't know how to cut it in one piece um 
And so I think that it's something must be something to do with the location and the fun. They were functional for something. And I would take a stab at harnessing or holding energy in a safe way underground. Because if that's what they're doing with radioactive waste in Finland, they've, they're running along the sort of something. It's something in that area. That would be my stab at it. Um, because they, they, yeah, they weren't, um, they weren't ornate. They, they, I think they're functional, like the pyramids. They're, they're just incredibly impressive and precise and functional. And there's nothing. There's one of them is covered in hieroglyphs, um, but you can tell that it's been added later because all the other ones haven't got them on. Just the one, and I think they did it, and they went. That was really hard, actually. Right. <laughs> Let's not do the others. And there's right. just one, and it's really wobbly. And I got like I felt like I could do a better job. Right. At, chiseling hieroglyphs onto the onto granite than than they did it was really really wobbly um and so the big 100 the person who scribbled on the box wasn't the person that made the box so i think that they are functional i think half of what of maybe more than half i think like 80 percent of egypt is all functional and it's not as spiritual as everybody this was for the spiritual journey of the priest no it wasn't it wasn't it was to harness electromagnetic energy and just keep it safe underground like it's it's gonna be something so simple but we spiritualize everything from the past because we believe again we believe that people from the past were lesser than us less intelligent than us and it was all about woo-woo and spirits yeah but yet there's these pyramids and the the obelisk and things like that that you know can't be moved today very easily at all if if at all um and what's fascinating to me about the serapium and i don't know why i've always been drawn to the shape of those lids the lids that are on there have a a unique shape to them where they're they're kind of angular but flat on the top flat on the sides flat on the bottom and there's something about that shape and maybe one of these days it'll it'll come to me there's something about that shape that I find very interesting for. Yes, you're right. It's not, it's not like a square lid. No, there's a reason why they've made it like a kind of, um, I'm not sure even what the mathematical shape would be of that, but like, there's a reason why. Some type of polygon. Yeah. 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 I've always found that very interesting. Um, you know, you know what, like the, um, and, and this is something again where I only realized when I got to Egypt. I could only really see it on the ground when I got to Egypt. But you can see a massive difference between ancient Middle Kingdom Egypt stuff and the early, early, early stuff. The stuff that they attribute to the very first four dynasties of Egypt, they have a different aesthetic. It's literally a different aesthetic. It's dark, precise granite precision cut the blocks are bigger it's all darker it's minimalist it's like it's like it's literally like the aesthetic of a different time and you can tell what's egyptian because egyptian uses light colors sandstone it's ornate it's covered in writing everywhere because they love to tag themselves on everything and and it's it's just it's two different styles of architecture and styles of of stuff and And the the older stuff has a a uh would you say the older the older material has a a better build to it i guess you could you know it's um 
the art, the Egyptians, yeah, the Egyptians couldn't work out how to do it. So all they did was they tried to copy it, but they had to do it in smaller pieces. So they tried to copy the statues, but they couldn't. Um, you can tell with the statues as well. The statues, the old statues that they go, oh, that was um, that was like third century um, or third dynasty, sorry. And I'm like, oh, how can you tell that's third dynasty? They go, oh, you can see at the bottom, somebody wrote their name on it. So you can tell that it's third dynasty. <laughs> and I kid you not, like these beautiful black polished, like they they look, the, the, the joke is, is that all of the oldest stuff looks like it's from 2090, some sort of sci-fi or even 3090. It looks so far in the future. It looks like somebody has literally time brought something back and dumped it back as a joke on us so that we're like scratching our heads because this stuff is unbelievably modern, but it's the oldest stuff. And right. it's, you can tell with your eyes when you see there and you, you're looking around all the sites in Karnak, it sticks out like a sore thumb. You can see, and I'm not an Egyptologist, I'm an armchair Egyptologist, that's the one. <laughs> I do most <laughs> of my research at home, but I could see on the ground. And when you go, if anyone goes, I just beg you to go to Egypt because you'll see... And you'll see you going around or any museum, you can see the stuff. The oldest stuff is the most precise and they, it's, it's dark. And I know the aesthetic that I want to put in my movie. If, if I ever got it commissioned or ever got made, I would work with the designers to be like the ancient world before our ancient world. It looked like this. It looked almost sci-fi futuristic and it's hard to get your head around it, but it's like the, the, the building blocks are bigger they're precise they're dark they don't they don't want any decoration they are minimalist they are like the most minimalist fancy people that there's there's nothing on there it's all and like you said that the shape it's all in the shapes these weird sci-fi shapes pyramids and, and obelisks. The, the precision i mean the i think it's uh christopher dunn who has done the the analysis of uh some of those faces on those uh, statues are exact. I mean, it's ridiculous. You can't do that by hand. There's no way. The human eye can't. If you look at sculptures from Greek sculptures or Roman sculptures, faces look like faces. Faces look like humans. You know, eyebrows are a bit wrong. Eyes are a little bit wrong. The noses have like bones in them and stuff. These faces don't look human. The more that I was looking at the statues and they were freaking me out because I was like, that's not a human face. It's not a human face. They've got the face wrong or they've got it so right that it looks wrong because yes. no, nobody's face is that like that. Um, I mean, and, it's symmetrical. It's ridiculous. Yeah, nobody's face is that symmetrical. Nobody. And they've got these weird, um, a lot of the statues now are on the ground. They've fallen over and they're on the ground. So you can, you can get right up close and you can feel them. It's amazing. Um, and the, they, they are as smooth as, brand new polished marble it, you're like this thing is potentially twenty thousand years old and it's just as shiny today as it was then well, i mean that's good polish like that was very good um but you, the, the statues are different when they're on the floor they also look weird the eyes are in a weird place and the mouth is in a weird place and they say apparently it was because when you raised them and you were looking at them from below it was so that they were looking down on you ah okay and they would they were designing them for effect to to be watching you and to like look really terrifying um or like ominous or i don't know powerful right. um right. but 
but that's another reason why they don't look very human because they were designed to be looked at from a very specific angle but even when you're looking at that angle they don't look i was like they're not normal um so my <laughs> theory if i was gonna like st- have a stab at it i would say that that these statues and the aesthetic of egypt where we think oh that's egyptian because of the hats or the the pharaoh thing i think that the whole of egypt culture copied the aesthetic of whatever the previous culture was they found these statues that were like 1200 tons of granite they didn't know how to recreate the statues or they tried to and they didn't do a very good job you can see the latest statues of the pharaohs in the in the um the museums are like awful and um and then the early ones are just so beautiful so i think that they took it and in the same way that we just copy fashion and we like to emulate our we emulate footballers or celebrities or anyone that we think is like a modern day god what do you do you copy them you buy the jacket you you right. you, you eat what they eat and i i think that it's a very human and very normal thing to do you find this ancient culture that you're like oh my god these were the gods these were the people before i want to dress like them i want to be like them and so i think that the pharaohs were just trying to copy the people that they found before yeah um, and, and you bring yeah. that up about the copying and uh, i saw one of your videos where you were starting to compare some of these um statues over in e- in egypt over to the ones like the mayans they have and then go back go back tepe where these you see the scorpion constellation you see these human faces, they seem very roundish, kind of big eyes, um, some of the same kind of iconography, um, which yeah. brings me to my next question about if we're talking about catastrophes and stuff, Plato talked about one of the most famous ones very quickly, and that was Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Where do you think all of that starts to intertwine because me i i'm kind of with grand hamcock a little bit if i if i understand his position is that these were survivors of this cataclysm that spread out but those ancient peoples were already there i think they were trying to teach the surviving people uh how to do some of these things and they just kind of went in different directions what's your take on that i think um if i'm just spitballing i think that there probably almost definitely was an ancient civilization or many and um they we have evidence for an incredible cataclysm that basically like wiped out most of the world and it makes sense that there would be like tiny remnants or things that would survive a cataclysm like an obelisk or a pyramid or something that was in stone, but everything, everything else would just be gone. And, and I was thinking again, if it was going to happen today, what would you do? What, if you happen to survive a cataclysm, what would you do? You would go immediately and make friends with the people who know what they're doing, which are the hunter gatherers. And we still have them today. They live in various um, places in the Amazon or the outback. And I would go and join them and be like, hi, um, can you teach me? how to live and i will teach you the tale of the iphone and right. i would like it it, it, it it kind of the parallel is just there you would you'd be teaching one you'd be surviving and learning the basic stuff that you didn't know but then you would also be able to 
teach um imagine trying to teach everything we know about technology to somebody who can't actually understand the concept of a flat screen tv like how would you break that down how would you try and teach them or whatever um it makes sense for me in my mind because it, one thing that I've always had a problem with is that civilization just kind of appearing out of nowhere. It just kind of bursts yeah. just like poof. Oh, and then we just knew that. And I'm like, Oh, but how? And also every single ancient civilization that we have writing when they started to write, not one of them goes, we made that up yet. We invented maths. Like nobody claims it. They all in every place in the world, India, like Egypt and the Middle East, Australia, everywhere. They all have the same story, which is we were taught how to do this stuff. And it just, it feels very, like, I don't think they're being humble. I think that they are just, they're they're telling the truth of what happened to them. And it, it makes sense to me. Um, the idea that there was a civilization and I think we can see the the little pieces of it, the unexplained, we know their aesthetic. We know that they could achieve things that nobody else in history could ever achieve. They tried to copy, but couldn't do it. Um, it, 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 it sits with me and it makes sense with me. And, and the Atlantis one, it's hard because the, the word's been ruined because it, it might as well say like fairy magic, <laughs> like, because when, I, when I was Googling um, research for the, my screenplay, I was looking up all of the movies that have ever been about Atlantis and every single one of them have been magic flying cars or, or something that's sci-fi cool movies, like totally down. I love, I love the Disney's Atlantis, sure. but, um, but it's not representing what Plato said. Plato said nothing about flying cars or advanced technology. They, he said that they were an advanced civilization and that they had structure and that they had like, religion and kings and agriculture and they could see fair but he didn't they didn't that's nothing that ancient humans can't do like it's weird how people associate it with they're like oh but of course there wasn't Atlantis because there wasn't magic flying submarine things and I'm like that's no 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 yeah (laughs) Um, you start to cross the line into the whole ancient aliens thing as well just because we can't explain exactly how the pyramids were built eh, it must be aliens and I don't I don't buy it I mean there's it there's yeah I don't I I I think that the 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 people in the ancient texts when they're saying that they were visited by gods or aliens or or the wise ones or the sages or whatever the word the word changes through different culture but I literally just think it's the people from the, from from the, the more advanced civilization surviving this thing having to join and being like because it's exactly what I would do if that happened tomorrow and I would just try and pass on anything I knew um, and learn, you know, learn from them, start again, basically. Right. You know, you're just literally starting from, from zero, right. um, human survival and civilization and, and it'd be, yeah, I think so. I think, uh, so for me, Atlantis is actually scientifically feasible. Again, when you're looking at the timeline, when you're looking over in, and, uh, um, what you said about the iconography and the symbology in different areas of the world, like linking up, it seems more implausible now with, that we're gonna that the idea that that ancient people weren't seafaring and they weren't global, it seems impossible for me. It seems more scientifically and mathematically implausible that different people on different parts of the world, all at the same time, discovered the same sciences and the same maths and the same all the constellations all have the same names, like yeah. like 
Scorpio is Scorpio wherever you go in any culture. Osiris, Orion is yeah, still they, the same. They all had the same constellations and they had the same, they'd all, it was, it was like they'd all had a textbook, how to civilize, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> that was the book of, of the day in 9000 BC. It was, um, you, and you can see the symbology, obviously like artistically in their own different flares and like South American symbology is like a little bit different but when you're looking at the themes of it the the themes are actually crazily the same and and I've just started looking at Easter Island because I had no idea that the back of the Moai are fully carved like I'd seen photos and videos and things of but they only ever show the Moai like the faces sticking out of the ground they don't show you that that when they're excavating around the back the backs are just fully fully carved and when you're looking at the Gobekli Tepe pillars the style of the two and also the the icons on the back of the moai it's very similar to what you find at Gobekli Tepe and they're supposed to be 8000 years apart right and i don't i'm starting to think that i'm starting to think that some of the moai i think that they must be the similar age to Gobekli Tepe like it, it just and those things they have bodies too it's not just the heads right i mean yeah, they're they got full bodies and it makes me think like were they did they were either deliberately buried or they've been there that long that it's gone up to their necks and i how would you know if they were deliberate i don't know i don't i don't know what the evidence i need to do more research but i might be swaying to the idea that they are that old because if they were the same age as gobekli tepe then that might account for why they're only up to their necks because they've just been there that long and what are they looking at yeah, you know, you know they're they're looking up. Maybe they're they're you know it would make sense that if you want to uh, have stuff or some kind of history last through time. Okay, so here's a big statue looking up toward the sky, and now and I did not know that the backsides were all carved as well until I saw your video on it, and yeah, I was I like, was wait, like- wait, 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 what? what? Nobody. I'm 51 years old as of yesterday and nobody has ever in anything I've ever watched said anything about the backsides of those things being carved at all. So are they looking up and telling the story on their tattoos like we do? I mean, maybe that's what they're supposed to represent, you know, telling a story in those carvings is like a tattoo on your body. You have a tattoo and it means something. They're there for a reason. Yeah, all my tattoos are storytelling. They all mean something from a moment in time, and you can kind of read my life through my tattoos. I've got like eleven, I think. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think I agree. Like the 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 pillars at Gobekli Tepe, they mean something and say something. And the fact that the animals on the pillar forty three, they do yes. align with the constellation at. I think 10,500 BC, yep, I think. Yep. Um, and the, uh, and the fact that the, the Moai, either they're replicating that or that, that, that symbol, those symbols have been implanted in the same way that I guess everybody on earth, pretty much everybody would probably know the Coca-Cola sign. Right. Like we all, it's such a symbol that we just know we've seen it everywhere or the McDonald's sign, like the the M. And I think that maybe down the generations, like if the world did implode, but we would still draw the the McDonald's sign and people <laughs> wouldn't know necessarily what it was, but it was very, and, and I, so I think that that's happening 
all over the place um, in the ancient world. You're seeing the same symbols, whether or not they knew exactly what they were copying or whether they were just copying the original. Um, but maybe Gobekli Tepe as well isn't like, maybe that's just the tip of the iceberg of what we could find. Like we know that that's the oldest so far or that human, um, they've just they've just pushed back human um, modern homo sapiens by a hundred thousand years. Yeah. Literally in one find. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not stupid to think, well, okay, they could find another find in 20 years that pushes it back 400,000. Or, or they could find another Gobekli Tepe and they could date that and it could go to 30,000. So, you know, BC, like it's it's sliding back and back and back and the science is slowly like lining up and all these like <laughs> alternative timeline people going, told you. Right. It told it's- you that in 97. Like we, we, we like worked it out. Um, and the science is is making it older and older and older, and and I'm loving it. I'm here for it. I can't wait. I've got popcorn. I, I agree. Um, we we hinted on this a little bit ago, but since you started digging into this topic of ancient high technology and going to these locations like Egypt, looking for evidence, what kind of pushback have you received from friends, family, uh, maybe even the establishment coming after you a little bit at all with your videos? Stop putting it out there. You know, Johanna, you are, uh, you're just manic about going to these sites now, you know, that, that's all it is. So what, um, what, what have you gone through? Well, my, my immediate family, um, like my brothers and my dad, um, they, they just not into it at all. They just don't like full blinkers. Um, <laughs> even if I'm throwing science at them or trying to get them to hypothesize, it's, it's just not going in. My brother about Atlantis, he said, I'll only believe it when it's on the BBC. And I was like, dude, <laughs> you understand. Like, I don't think he fully understands oh, no. <laughs> about like news, how news filtering. And like, I was like, but it doesn't matter if it's on the BBC. It's I've seen it with my own eyeballs in Egypt. Like, dude, the, it doesn't matter if the BBC know about it or not or whatever. Um, but it's, it's weird that that's his mind frame. Okay. Um, I'll believe it once it's on the national news that, that, um, you know that there was an ancient civilization i was like it could probably be on the news and you'd miss it and you'd never know like it doesn't that's not a marker for something being real um and and i guess my friends are i I talk about it with anybody that's why i started to do online because i wanted to find like-minded people because i could talk about this (laughs) all day long i love it i love this subject and i just found that in my circle like a lot of people don't really care um I do. And once I start talking, I don't stop and I can sort of see people like going, <laughs> okay, I'd like to leave now. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's, but then some people have heard me rattling on about it and they were like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that there was like a comet. Okay. That's cool. Uh, oh, okay. You know, like, and, and, and people are starting to get a little bit more interested. I think more and more people are are getting interested in it which is which is exciting for me because I, I love to talk about it um and again my like I said I, I work online and my profile has been very much like comedy and just doing sort of like comedy viral sketches and my my management when I was like actually I'm thinking of like completely changing my YouTube and just revamping it all to like ancient history mysteries and they were like mm, that's not very on brand um I don't know how we'd market that and I was like well I don't really mind I just love doing it um so I'm going to do it and um, <laughs> jokes on them because it's done really well. <laughs> so like, yeah, but, um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, that was kind of the only, I just had like, yeah, the, the only setback is people just not really being bothered. Um, 
or people not knowing how to market it, which I'm not that bothered about either. So, well, I think there's there's definitely an explosion in people wanting this knowledge because a lot of people, you know, um, unfortunately, what your brother says is is true for a lot of people. With you know, they'll only believe it when they see it, which is going to come to my next topic. I want to talk to you about or when they see it on the news but a lot of people are leaving this whole mainstream thing because it's gotten so ridiculous that uh you know you've seen it with your own eyes now there's so many questions that these mainstream people cannot answer and the fact that they can't answer them and they they almost literally freak out and then you know like you said turn around and walk away with a little grunt um it's like, well, these are questions that should be looked upon. And when, yeah. when, when people get, uh, you know, either made fun of or, you know, the personal ad hominem attacks start, it's, you know, that just drives people underground. And then they find out, hey, everybody else is seeing this too, which kind of comes to my, my next question about um, shifting gears a little bit here and going into UFOs. And, or wait a minute, let me do the, the accepted terminology now, UAP, uh, the, the, uh, unmanned aerial or unidentified aerial phenomenon is what they're now is the accepted term. So, um, what is, what do you think's going on with that? Where do you, where do you fall into that? Cause that's kind of how Michelle and I actually started this whole thing was, uh, a sighting that we had. And, you know, we're both educators, we're teachers. I'm a science teacher. I teach earth and space science. She's a ELA teacher of 20 some years. We're normal people. And boom, yeah. we, we're driving and here's this giant flying triangle, you know, above the road that nobody else seems to see at 2.30 in the morning. And we're trying to figure out what the hell is this? So where where are you at with that? Um, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Um, there, anything that you say UFO, it's like saying Atlantis, you might be saying magic leprechaun cars, like it's, and, and people immediately, and they've got a lot of stick, I think in the films and things. And like, my dad yeah. makes fun of like UFO believers and things. And I'm like, well, actually, it just means unidentified. It just means it's something that's just not it, okay. Well, you're like, okay, well, that it wasn't a comet, it wasn't a plane, it wasn't any hot air balloon, it wasn't anything that I can register what that is. It's okay to have a question mark around it. Um, I also think that there's like a whole ton of technology that we are not aware of and that's being tested. Um, so my first thought for anything that's like flying around the planet would be, okay, it's human technology, but that I just don't know of or that they're keeping, that they're testing out because they got to be upgrading stuff and and working out how can we make like a drone hybrid cross with a concord cross with a whatever um so i think that yeah but then also the universe is so huge like how dare we how dare we be so arrogant to think that us on this little rock are the only things in the universe like how dare we it's so big and never-ending and expanding and for all we know, we could be slugs compared to other life and creatures and things. And um, so, yeah, I mean, um, it's scary, but I'm open to it. Like, it's, I think that Hollywood, again, has done a disservice to it because of all the, and I think a, lo a lot of 
stuff probably there's probably about 70 percent of it could be down to psychological stuff or phenomenon or Mm -hmm. tricks of the mind you see what you want to see there's there's probably like a percentage but then there's going to be stuff that you're like no that's genuinely unexplainable that's the, the people who are of sound mind sound senses um there's going to be a whole pile of stuff that's going to that's not going to fit into the stuff that can be explained it's it's just gonna um and it's it's yeah it's exciting like like it would i would love to be living in the time where they discover life elsewhere outside of our little globe that we live in or maybe interdimensional or, or there there's so many different routes this could take that you know we don't even understand so oh yeah i i don't know what to make of it still and uh it's probably gonna be till the day i die before i realize anything about what we saw or what happened um but to your brother's point now we've had 60 minutes over here in the states i don't know if you guys saw their ufo show that they did their report that they did uh the u.s government's getting ready to release some people are saying it's a disclosure other people are like, well, what is really disclosure about these videos and what these Navy pilots have seen and been chasing around and caught on video and now the Navy destroyers about this UFO report? Do you think there's going to be anything in that? <laughs> I mean, they're either going to do one of two things. Like, there's been so much, especially around the pandemic, that's come out about governments or about things, which should be, in theory, like groundbreaking, life-altering, revolt-causing things. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of just comes out and then it goes away. And I'm like, why are people not like why is there not like a kind of civil war going on with the government right now because they've just admitted that they did this or that they like especially in england specifically they um with the pandemic they used it as an excuse to um they bought a lot of the ppe and they used companies that were like friends of friends and they basically backhanded did deals with companies people have made billions and billions and it's all come out in the news and it's come out and it's something that like hold on the government should be like going through some kind of court sit like you did something super illegal if if an, if, an, if a civilian did that you'd be seriously in trouble why do you and it's come out in the news and people don't care and it's like this new phenomenon whereas like actually if you acknowledge it and put it out there people aren't interested if you try and hide it and redact it people are interested it's like a weird yes. reverse psychology thing yes, so i yes, i wouldn't yes. be of the mind that the that the american government do a similar thing and be like yeah okay we, we can put it out there and you won't care about it because we've told, talked about it but if we try and hide it you're going to want to come and see what it is and there's like i'm just seeing that more and more and more like just some serious stuff's coming out in the news and like oh my god that person did what the government did what oh no one cares very bizarre very very bizarre so I think that there's probably stuff in there. Probably they're going to have to disclose about the technology that they're working on. Um, they well, they've already have... said that it's nothing that, that the U.S. has been working on because they oh. just don't. Yeah, they that was leaked in a uh, New York Times uh, article that, um, first of all, we're not going to be very impressed with the report when it's released. And that uh, they all they do is really admit that it's nothing to do with us, the Chinese or the Russians that they know. And then they leave it at that. It's so, the Indian. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Right. Like, what? What? <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably might be really boring, but um, oh, I, don't, I don't know. When, when is it going to be released? I don't know. I when think the 25th, right? Uh, tomorrow. It's supposed to be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. When up to that. Yeah. Um, Oh, but it's super boring. Oh. Yeah, piece of paper, like, black line, black line. Yeah, black redacted. redacted. You can see. <laughs> yes, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Like what? Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> really weird. Really, really weird stuff. And they, I mean, the, the, they redact for a reason. They re- there is a reason why this stuff's not being not being told. Um, yeah. But, but I, I mean. The, there's so much going on right now in the world. Maybe they thought with the there is so much going on and so much panic. Maybe this this is the best time to actually like acknowledge aliens because um everyone's gonna be like, I don't care, I've lost my business and I've got COVID. So like it's I don't know, maybe it's the time to just like slide in among the mayhem of the pandemic. Well, that's great. Now there's aliens and you know, we have a gigantic killer virus that's taking over the planet so thanks for letting us know right before we all kick the bucket yeah 2020 starts having a moment of hold my beer (laughs) yes right hold my beer i'm going in um actually um george howard i remember him saying that there were some papers that he was looking at and they were on the cosmic task about um the possible covid and brand new viruses coming in from out there and like that's not a super wild idea that like we live in this universe like our ecosystem is just because we're here but we're also in the massive ecosystem of space and there could be all kinds of viruses bacteria, other life that's out there and things are crossing through and shooting around and basically we're in this huge game of like dodgeball with the universe and we've got so much stuff coming at us like and and yeah so i, I mean you got the two you got two theories either it, conspiracy theory number one it was man-made in the lab in china or there that it arrived at our planet virally through the air and it's come down and actually like space is sending all this stuff to us and we're having to deal with it um i mean either yeah. or i could believe either or of them really but right. but but it's interesting that people are looking and, and they're looking they're bacteria specialists that are looking at exactly what's coming down from from above yeah um all right so are there uh any other topics um about the paranormal or ufos or anything like that that you are interested in exploring is there anything else that tickles your fancy besides uh ancient egypt and things like that um i'm interested i do follow i follow like um the what paranormal Oh, what's it called when you when the um the Mandela effect? Oh, okay, the Mandela effect. Yes. So the idea of like memory changing collectively and like how we all because I love psychology and I love looking at paranormal stuff all one side from the side of the woo and from the spiritual side and dimension theory, but I also like looking at it from a psychological side and being like why do we see faces in stuff that we want to see or like why when you're thinking about something do you suddenly see it everywhere um you know you're you're thinking about babies and then suddenly you're surrounded by babies or you're thinking about a certain number and then you see that certain number and so like i i love i think it's 
there's a mishmash of like all of that going on. Um, so Mandela effect fascinates me. Um, I've seen some that I'm like, I remember that as a child. I remember the logo of that brand. I've got, I can I could draw it for you because I looked at it on my lunchbox that many times. And when I look at the brand today, and they tell me that that logo's never looked like that, or that they didn't have a, that certain color in the logo, I'm like, why do I and thousands of other people remember that like that? Yeah, it's like, like uh, what was it the uh old cartoon show the was it the berenstain bears or the berenstein bears mm, you know names of things names, um yeah like even one of the most famous ones is um et phone home and it actually in the movie the first time he says that he goes et home phone and he says it the other way around but we always remember it the other way phone and it, home yeah and it's like what i think very very weird um yeah, yeah something so to do with like like you were talking about seeing things uh seeing faces in the clouds or uh they call that effect the pareidolia effect but we also have like this uh pattern recognition thing built into our brains that's probably something to do with that as well but yeah, yeah we're always looking for the, we're looking for the patterns and we, and you can or you can hear what you see so if you've got something that you're hearing something and you're being told um that you can change what you hear depending on what you're reading i've, I've done that one it's a really weird mind tricks but um but then also i did look into dimension theory and like they've scientifically got a certain number of dimensions but then again that could expand just as much as um timelines and everything else that we've got um but one thing that's interesting is there's two types of people that can get their head around dimension theory and one is highly trained mathematicians like highly trained and the other is very young children and the two those two people can contemplate and work out dimension theory and then i remember when i heard that i was like that's weird that very and then i remember a bible verse like in the bible and i think it's something that like jesus was quoted and he was like if you want to see the world you have to think like a child or see the oh, world through yeah. a, see the world through a child's eyes that's what jesus said and i remember that bible verse being like dude maybe jesus was right maybe he's talking about dimension theory like if you there are certain things that you as the adult brain over um, complicates and and we we could probably have a more of a understanding of the universe if we kind of thought either like a trained mathematician or like a very young child. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, dimension theory is interesting because then oh, there's a whole lot of stuff on, on that. And um and then it, just looping it back like the the spirit where the spiritual meets the ancient mystery, um, the the temples and and the, the beautiful places in in Egypt they were all designed and every single hieroglyph like on the all of the ornate stuff in the temples it's all about um the three things which is advanced maths vibration sound vibration and dmt natural drugs who in order to access the universe and other levels of things like you have to have all three um so like maths geometry um and sound vibrations and also dmt or blue lotus or ayahuasca or something to access and anybody who does do those those um hallucinogenic drugs you do access like another spiritual realm like everybody comes back and goes 
there's something there man yeah <laughs> and, they're, there. and, they're just, and they're like shared like they they see the same type of animals and entities i mean from what i've read so far and actually i don't know if it's yale or harvard have people actually studying this with people to see why everybody's having these shared when they do these yeah what are they tapping into that they're all drawing the same and relating the same exact so something is definitely happening there and i think that um I, I think you're tapping into something which, so I grew up um, in a religious household and I went sure. to lots of um, like Christian festivals and Christian events. And, and, and my, I grew up in Toronto in Canada and um, it was in the nineties when there was the big um, Toronto outpouring, like the big um, basically as a kid, a young kid, I just remember everybody in church falling over all the adults. I'd, were just falling over all over the place and laughing and crying and being hit by the Holy Spirit and all of that phenomenon that happened in the Toronto outpouring in like 94 or something. And um, yeah, crazy stuff, visions and connections of the universe and everything. And um, so I have like a kind of a spiritual background and I don't find it that weird when people are spiritual because I just grew up with like all that kind of side of the, of the church. Um, and it's weird how it parallels with ayahuasca, LSD, that kind of experience. Um, I did uh, try a hallucinogenic once and it was fascinating because I had the same experience that I remember feeling as a child about like God and the universe. I, I was the weirdest thing. I went, oh my God, it feels like it feels like religious uh, it feels like I feel like the universe. It's it's weird, and and so I think there's a parallel between. I think that humans can tap into whatever it is in different ways, and sometimes it's through drugs, hallucinogenics, or DMTs. Other people tap into it through religion, and they find their way to access their uni- the the universe and the gods. And I think we are hardwired, maybe in the same way that we um do with patterns, and we're, we're, we're there's something in the brain that hardwires us to find like whatever's on the other side. Um, and I think we, less and less and less people are or, or, or tended to do that as sort of, you know, religion became not cool and more and more people fell away from, but I think that now they're separating religion and spiritual stuff. Like there's so many, there's loads of people who I've met who have gone like, oh, I don't really like, I'm not, don't belong to like a club, but I feel stuff. Right. And, and I think that majority of humans would be able to be in that pile of the like, I feel, I feel something, there's something in the universe, <laughs> right? something going on, especially when I've had some blue Lotus, <laughs> I can chat with him. <laughs> I can chat with the, the other side. Um, and and I, by I just, the way, it looks just like the guy you saw too. <laughs> yeah. They, they need to study it. And then, and I'm yeah. so glad that they're doing a lot of science they're doing studies now because um they also realize that it massively can impact um depression yes and anxiety and ptsd people can be they can you can help your ptsd by doing like medicated sessions of um dmt they they now do like therapy and dmt courses and then they're also looking into how lsd like in micro doses can help with depression um 
because I think your brains are designed to be connecting to everything. You're not designed to be sitting in a house watching Netflix on repeat. Um, there's there's science behind stuff that that makes it makes the woo woo less woo woo when you think about it like that way. Um, right. Just taking off your sho- taking off your shoes and putting your bare feet on the on the ground ground it does something as a human, um, and it's not that weird. Like you're des- you're not designed to wear shoes. Um, and it can help relax you and reset you. And there's there's yeah. stuff that I'm, I used to think was a bit like hippie-ish, but now I'm like, actually, no, it makes a lot of sense when you're looking at like geomagnetic activity and the human body and blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, I think that there's like, there's spirituality, there's science behind it as well. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with that. It seems like too, that this is where technology, you know, somebody had said technology makes a great servant, but a horrible master. And, you know, I can't help but think that we allow these screens and our phones and everything to separate us more and more from that natural world. So that, uh, I mean, we live close to Detroit and you try to look at the night sky and you can't see much of anything because of the light pollution. Oh, yeah. Same with London, London, the London smoggy sky. So how would you ever know anything was going on up in the sky when you can't even see it? And there just seems to be this, this separation that is, is taken place by removing man more and more from nature. It just, uh, and then we do, we end up with anxiety and we end up with depression because we're not living a a balanced life at all. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's really, uh, I'm glad people are looking at that and, uh, um, and just, yeah, just take your shoes off, go stand in the grass for a little bit and see it what works. it's like. Yeah. It, works. it feels amazing. Or there's a reason why when people go and see the ocean that they have, it has an effect on them and they go, oh, because you're, you're, you're supposed to see, they, they did a study to say that if people who are in cities and you can't see, you're, you're supposed to see into the horizon as a human. And when that's blocked for a certain amount of time, when you can't see far into the horizon, there's a reason why views everybody loves a view <laughs> and that's that it, right. because it's activating something in your head, something deep, deep, deep in your like homo sapien brain. That's being like, Oh great. You need. So yeah, everyone go like find that ocean, find that horizon, stick your feet on the ground. Um, you know, find a DMT, a safe DMT therapist <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, connect back into the, the, the 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 universe um yeah. the one area that i am in the paranormal that i'm interested but personally terrified like the ghosts and that kind of paranormal um however i'm just i'm not ready to yeah. um to access uh, i'm just too scared I'm, i've got a serious overactive imagination i'm a creative and i write and i storytell and it's too much it's just too much the ghost <laughs> stuff i don't i deliberately don't watch horror movies because i'm very careful of what i put into my psyche because i'll it will just come out in the nighttime and i and i can't be i can't be having that so i don't watch horrors but i'm also quite interested in that i do watch a couple of the tiktok um like sort of paranormal tiktok stuff um but i don't want to investigate it right now thank you very much all the ghosts listening <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was my next question I was going to ask you since we're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, have you had any paranormal experiences yourself? Um, so, <laughs> well, I had one that terrified the life out of me. And then I've since realized that it was sleep paralysis. Uh, 
um I had an experience of waking up in the night once and I I felt like something was sitting on like I couldn't move and something was sitting on me and I can I I I thought that I um had a demon inside me like that I was like that's it I've been possessed um because all I can the way I can describe it was like I breathed in and I had like a deep raspy throttle came out it was more like (sighs) and I was like that's it I've got a demon in me um (laughs) call the priest like oh my gosh um and I really didn't I think I at the time I think I went to like my my um my vicar my reverend and was like I think that I am a demon possessed me (laughs) and then I realized later when I looked into more psychology I was like no I was going through an incredibly stressful time in my life and um it was most definitely like stress-induced sleep paralysis only happened once um horrible um the only other time thing that 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 again going back to that like religious phenomena like growing up in, in that kind of very like liberal spiritual church environment where I saw weird stuff going on and that was very normal for me growing up but now I look back I'm like that's weird um like seeing my parents falling over getting the holy spirit and, and falling over and I've, I've since talked to my dad who is a very skeptical person and I'm like what happened to you then and he's like I don't know I can't explain it um and I remember having some quite intense religious experiences where I would fall over and I don't know I can't work out whether it was w- like was I do you somehow subconsciously copy or um I don't I don't know I don't know Mm. um but there's some very intense I've I've seen grown men six foot four men be and just fall and like there's some very weird stuff that's going on um it but that's so that's probably the most extent of my like paranormally stuff would be like my teenage years um in this in the religion but like there's yeah there is some weird stuff that's that's going on there um, what about um experiences with any ufos any anything like that have you seen anything or no and this is another thing that's really weird you guys get all the ufos like they're it's like heavily in america and not over on this side um i don't know why that is maybe because i guess you guys take up a lot of sky <laughs> so maybe. you have more <laughs> that's you true. have you have more chance to see one over there because there's like a lot of you and there's a big, you take up a lot of the sky of the world. Um, but yeah, like there's not a lot over here. Um, we, again, in England, the, the, the sky's pretty rubbish. Like you can't see a lot. Um, you have to go right to the very edge of Cornwall or like down to Dev, like the very kind of foot of England. That's where I've seen phenomenal skies of like where you can really see stars and milky ways but but around the main chunk of england and london it, like it's really boring um uh yeah you just just see like planes and stuff but um but and, and again none of my friends have seen uf like it's not really a culture thing over here um okay. like like it is in america like it's kind of acceptable to be like i saw a ufo um that was one thing my dad pointed out to me he was like why is it all the americans hey and I'm like, well, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. Well, you know. guys have had in the past some pretty interesting UFO experiences with uh, the U.S. Uh, nuclear bases over there, like Brentwater's uh, Air Force Base, where the Rendlesham Forest incident um, took place. 
So there, there's been some uh, where the UFOs uh, came over and started scanning the bunkers where the um, nuclear bombs were being held and uh, shut some of them down. And uh, a huge thing went out uh, about that in the, I want to say, what was that, the late 80s, I think, getting close to the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, you know. And, right, okay. Yeah. They- they are there are some top secret um you can't go near the like army sites i think as a family we got a bit lost once and we we were ending up going a little bit near one of them and we immediately had all these like army people being like turn around and go and we're like don't shoot us sorry (laughs) Uh, so yeah it's immensely hard to get anywhere near somewhere that like a bunker or any or british army barracks um I, almost anything could go on there because you just can't go near it um yeah. but yeah but but we don't have the same culture of ufos over here um or the or, or maybe people see them but because we don't have that culture people don't 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 say it or they don't um, right whereas i think half of americans are of a mind to believe it whereas in england they'll be like poppycock what are you right. talking about you've had too much wine and gin and like yeah like they just <laughs> yeah wouldn't believe you um i'd love to see one i just need to have a bit better view of the sky real crap over here but um but yeah no i've not personally had i'm trying to think of any other paranormal things that have happened um well how about this one top your top three creepiest places you ever went into um like a tomb or something like that over in egypt or wherever you might have been um top top creepy place top creepy place was the osiris shaft on the Giza. oh my god that is ridiculous it's horrendously horrible down there like like worse than the tomb the tombs um i get it because it was like that's where the dead people were buried um but the Osiris shaft had a very dark. So it, it, I didn't know what the Osiris shaft was before I went into Egypt. I was just like, "Hey, you're going to get to go down this thing." Like literally, less than a thousand people have ever been down there in human history. Like it's shut off to the public. You have to pay. I think you have to pay about twenty thousand pounds or something to be able to have access to it. It's like a lot of or dollars. It's a lot of money. But because we went in a huge tour group, we could all chip in, and we all got to like special permission to go. Um, but you go, it's literally, the middle pyramid has a huge causeway that goes from the middle pyramid down to the, the bum of the Sphinx. The Sphinx. Right. And if you just hop off the causeway midway through, you find there's just a secret door. And then you go through the door and there's just a drop, um, like literally a 90, 100 foot drop going straight down. No, I lie. It doesn't go straight down. It goes down in a kind of zigzag. There's, there's a Big, big drop, another level, and a big... It goes down three levels, this thing. Um, and they've got this rickety old metal ladder. There's, like, no health and safety at all in the Egypt. Right. It's like, cool, if you die, you die. Like, the, uh, we were saying, if somebody did miss their foot and they dropped down this thing, like, 40 foot, one out... How would you get anybody... You wouldn't, there's no infrastructure to get anybody out. You just... That's it. Leave me there. Nice yeah. to know you um so we were going down this thing and i'm i I thought that um small spaces was bad for me i'm starting to not like heights i never used to have that as a kid but as i'm getting older i'm getting worse and worse with heights so it's me going down this ladder being like i want to see but i went down 
And then immediately it was horrible. You go down into, and there's like uh, six, if I remember the first level, no, first level, you go down, the second level, um, you have six like arcs. It's like a very small room with six archways. And in the archways were, again, these black sarcophagi box. Well, they're not sarcophagi. They're, they're just granite boxes beautifully but these ones are old and there's like only the serapium like the serapium and you're like how the hell did they did they get these boxes down here because it, it's a vertical drop and again it's a small vertical drop and apparently the measurements are just just bigger than the boxes and these boxes are precision cut so we know that when they were they were bigger than before they cut them so like how do they get them in and then you are on this so you're in this like room and then in the far corner there's another drop and you go down again to the third level and the third level had four um obelisks and a big big black granite box into the floor and um it was just like a whole other it it looked like it was, it honestly it felt like oh this is some like ancient illuminati something and then also we were what we thought were pottery shards on the floor in the in the alcoves and then we realized they were human bones just like tiny oh shards God. of human bones down there which obviously over time were like people were probably just thrown down here left to die like it was um and apparently there's no way out. So apparently it's just three levels, some boxes, and then the boxes at the bottom. Um, apparently there's nowhere else. However, there must have been, apparently there was a, they did find a tunnel in the third level going off probably towards the Sphinx or the pyramid or wherever, but they, Zayawas blocked it off. Um, and you can't check for sure now because um the whole thing fills with water so the third level you could only go down and just look because unless you had like rubber trousers you you just and there was it's full of cockroaches it was it was full on like the mummy return stuff down there the walls on the third level were full of cockroaches number one creepy (laughs) so yes human bones cockroaches also like the impossible mass of how they got the stuff down there what are these boxes for precision cut granite um it, it was and then also like the risk of death dropping down the ladder like 50 foot so um it, but the, just the vibe in there was horrible and and i didn't enjoy it i wanted to get out so i now, saw was it the and was, vibe, like, yep. was the vibe horrible before you discovered that what you thought were pieces of pottery bones? yes yes okay. i just didn't like it i just went down and was like oh like this is this is um it didn't feel nice at all. It was, now, yeah. Why do, they, why do they attribute that to Osiris? Why do they call it the Osiris chef? Absolutely no reason. Zaihuas made that up because he wanted to get people, um, he wanted to get people to watch because he, they did like a live, oh, we've discovered this. And he, um, they drained that bottom level and they broke open the um, granite box because they thought they might find the body of Osiris. They didn't. It's empty, as they all are, because they're not for that. Um, but he goes, yes, this is the tomb of Osiris. Um, it, no, there's nothing. Again, it was that eerie prehistory stuff where it was like granite boxes. They dug precisely like down into the bedrock of this, of the Giza Plateau. multiple levels. <laughs> multiple levels down um with tunnel systems and it's 
old. This stuff is it is creepily old. And the fact that just people don't go in there, maybe people don't go in there for a reason. I didn't like it. Other people in there didn't like it. I remember Jimmy being like, Mm-mm, not yeah. good again. Yeah. Um and 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 yeah, I felt like maybe the original uh purpose of it wasn't like dark, but it just felt like this this felt like a torture place or a prison or or um especially the bottom level like you can't not think of like awful ceremonial sacrificial virgin stuff you're like no (laughs) this is not good (laughs) um this is some ancient sacrificing virgins occult stuff um but yeah which is really weird um so i didn't like going down there um and it was similar well, but then the difference of being in that place and then also going to the Abu Sir with the crystal platform and the, pl- the 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 kind of altar that we got on and um it, the the chant that we were told to say on there it, well translated into English the ancient ancient like apparently they've been saying this for like 10,000 years it's like um the light the light is surrounds me the light goes through me i am the light it's all it, it kind of all that's kind of what they would go and do and they'd, they'd energize themselves with this crystal this place underground had none of that it was like the opposite, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> yeah it was like and it felt heavy like we it physically pressured we were underground quite far it was hard to breathe i felt like i felt like i was being i felt like i had weight on me it was hot dark incredibly there's no natural light in this place this place is not a place where humans are supposed to be crawling around and going down or unless you're some sort of underground species that doesn't and see the what light. is their what is their explanation for this place was it was it a burial chamber of some kind or again they, they, say, say? They, they say it's a tomb but um again no dead body mm, oh they've removed the obelisks interestingly so we didn't see the obelisks that were down there because oh. and i don't know where they've gone but they've removed the four obelisks and you you can just see the the box but it's it's underwater um and yeah they just say it's a tomb but again how are you going to drag a body down a vertical shaft by th- three layers down a vertical you'd have to just dangle it and smack it around and it, this this was not <laughs> like it this is not the tomb of osiris um is this I, how you treat a dead god? <laughs> Throw him down the pit, you know. I I think that the Osiris shaft was a um if you imagine the whole of the Giza plateau on top you've obviously got the pyramid and the sphinx and everything, but all under it you have a tunnel system, an ancient tunnel system that I think predates even the pilgrim pyramids and everything. There must have been some society that tunneled underground and lived under there i mean it would make sense if the world was going through a cataclysm you probably might would go underground but i think that this stuff's older and i think that if the pyramids were functional power stations or something to some sort of machine to collect something or do something functional um and it's all powered by water and crystal you need to get water to the stations and you need to get water from up where the sphinx was so i think that the in the giza plateau and if there's one of these things there's probably going to be 10 20 30 sure. could be a hundred of these things yep. all under the plateau they just only found the one um considering it's literally just you just step left and like oh look there's a trap door um 
I think that, and the fact that water still today runs under here and water used to be in the subterranean chamber of the pyramid. I, I think that this was like the piping of the machine and you would have it. The, it was, and then there was a reason for the granite boxes. It was going to, there was some sort of combusting energy. So the crystal was going to go against the pumping and it was going to shoot and things. I don't know the physics of it, but it felt like we were climbing into the sort of sewage drain part of or some some part of the machine that is of the Giza plateau um but then i then i think afterwards humans did some horrible stuff in there like yeah kill people and throw people down there. you know you were you were talking a little bit about uh sonic you know like a vibration mm-hmm. you know running water um if you had those caves filled with water running and then you had crystals you would get some type of vibration so maybe there was some type of uh vibratory energy or something like that that they were top tapping into a a sonic energy or something like that it's very interesting i think so i think that the the function i mean why else would you make a massive box which granite is some of them i I think is 50 percent quartz crystal yep and um the specific granite that they used around the giza plateau they didn't just find it locally they dragged it 500 miles from aswan that was a feat in itself. There's a reason why they wanted that, but they cored that specific granite with that specific amount of quartz crystal in it because they needed the crystal. And the crystals uh, were all in front of the pyramid. They even lined the pyramids. And this is something which is like, people need to know this and it's quite scary that, that again, government's doing stuff in plain sight and, and it's okay because if it's in plain sight, then nobody questions it. But the Egyptian government, the modern one, are ripping the original quartz crystal out of the pyramids and burying it in the desert. Um, there's 50 tons of calisite quartz crystal from the step pyramid. Um, and our, our um, Yusef, our, our group leader, was said that they're, they're ripping the stuff out and he saw mountains of it, of this 50 tons of this, or maybe even 80 tons of this calisite crystal, and they bulldozed it into the sand and they've hidden it and when they were asked why they were doing that they said it was to preserve it um it's been in a pyramid for thousands of years you don't need to preserve calisite crystal mate like it's calisite it's it's survived longer than your machines ever will just you know um and um there was like shards of it you can see little shards little pieces of this crystal that they've ripped out and then and so I, i i took two of them because i was like uh, if if the government are hiding the fact that crystal was ever in these pyramids, I want to like vouch for the fact that this stone was there. And that it was there. Mm-hmm. Test it for science reasons. I'll donate it to whatever course needs to be given to. Um, but yeah, but like the reason why they're ripping out the calisite crystal is because people are realizing how important crystal and water were to these structures. And if they, and it, it's, it's going to get to the point where they're going to prove a theory and they're going to rewrite that these things weren't religious tombs, that they were working things. And it's all to do with the crystal and the granite and like granite and water is the answer. And right. um, <laughs> yeah, there was, there was this uh, adorable little old man called Stephen and he was on the tour and he'd literally like spent his life savings to come out and it was like his dream and he'd loved Egypt for years. And um we had breakfast and we got talking because we were in the same hotel. And um, he was like, I have a theory. And he'd, he'd, he'd not done any research online. He was like old school with like books and stuff. And he was like, I think that the pyramids are all about water. And I was like, 
interesting that you said that Stephen because that's what everyone online saying and he's like oh. and then every time we went to a pyramid they would point out the the waterways that would go up and everybody all these waterways that would originally have been lined with this crystal and all the Egyptologists goes ah this was the processional road that they built to carry the, the this one man when he died and I'm like nah this was the part of the infrastructure and it was the crystal traveling the water that was it, you know it had to be crystal water pyramid and um every time me and steven saw like the waterways or like the evidence of the channels we just look at each other like yep very yeah. yep steven <laughs> steven smashed it out of the park he should have his own youtube channel what am i doing give it to steven but that's um, awesome but yeah it's, it's all to do with that and the fact that the government are actually ripping it out and and burying it um yeah, I think it shows that they're, 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 they're messing with it. They're messing with the original stuff because they do not want to change what the story is yeah. because it would, it would entirely implode um, their culture and their religious structure in the country right now. Like they cannot have these things being anything other than um, what, what the, the Victorian said was the timeline because the Victorian timeline fit within the Christian Islamic judo Yep. Judaism, yep. Christian, um, it's it fit within that thing. But actually, now science is saying that this stuff doesn't fit within that, and it's going to dismantle a lot of um, a lot of everybody's stuff. So I can I can see why there's like this huge because um, that's what everybody says when I talk about this stuff. They go, "Well, if if it was just real, why don't they just like you know change the history books?" And why, I was like, "Because I don't think you understand. <laughs> this is people's." life's work they'd have to change the entire textbook of everything everybody's degree would be invalid everyone's masters would be invalid um textbooks would have to be changed it's phenomenal and i was like also every all, all the religions in the world would have to change because you're literally talking about you'd have to rewrite everything and it's i don't think nobody's ready to completely rewrite that yet so um until then, I'll just keep hiding my bits of stolen antiquities from Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So if somebody on our show is listening to you for the very first time and they had enough time to watch one of your videos on YouTube, mm. which one would you recommend to them? Um, the the alternative, the new alternative timeline of history. Uh, that was the video that was requested to me um, because what I do is um, I don't make discoveries myself. I research and I would like to bridge the gap between people who have no idea about this subject um, to people who are quite interested in it and want to talk about it. And I, I, if I could be a bridge that could explain in more like layman's terms what's going on because even I sit through like I, I watch like hours two hour seminars on this stuff and I take notes and I'm trying to get my head around it and I'm like this is heavy even for me and I'm interested in it if I could make a video that could explain it to someone's grandma what's going on so that's what I try and think about when I do my videos how can am I explaining it concisely clearly and for everybody who doesn't know um so that video I made specifically people requested it saying hey could you just could you just explain what's going on why what's the new timeline what 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 is it that you believe um so that would be my first if you're going to watch one thing watch that because it explains everything from the the younger dryas comet impact to atlantis to just everything that science at the minute is pointing towards awesome 
do you happen to have, I have to ask everybody this, any type of connection to Michigan over here on uh, this side of the pond? Um, well, I grew up in uh, Cambridge, Ontario, which I know is the other side of Detroit. Um, I, uh, my parents uh, went over uh, to Canada for a few years when I was really little. They were missionaries. Okay. in canada weirdly i was like in canada okay um <laughs> that's why we were in the toronto like outpouring thing but um uh yeah so that side of the world i guess i yeah, so i lived i lived fairly close to you closer yeah. than i do now um but i've never been i've never been i think i've gone to america loads but i tend to go to the corners i tend to go to like new york down to florida or la um okay. i need to i want to go through the whole middle you got a lot of, lot of ground to cover. It's a pretty big place. <laughs> but it's on the list. It's on the bucket list. Awesome. Okay. Anything big in the works or topics coming up that you want to let us in on? Break it here first. Um, so because... But don't get in trouble. We don't want you to get in trouble. I mean, I've already disclosed secret information from the American government military. Um, I've already told you that I've stolen stuff from Egyptian antiquity. Like I've borrowed it. I've borrowed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was for human posterity. Um, I, uh, what's going on? Um, I'm, I'm, I may be teaming up with some other YouTubers, um, to go back and take people and, and do a tour and, and, and I'm trying to work out the logistics of going back because I, I went out quite blind. I was just follow, I was just stumbling around following Ben, asking him constantly, what's going on? Um, now I know what I'm talking about a bit more. I'd love to go back and really get to the Sphinx and get in and out and all around. Cause we, that was the one thing that we did a flyby visit of and we didn't get to go down into the enclosure and stuff. So, um, I would go back, I'd go back armed with all the questions that people have asked me in the comment section about certain things. Um, and so that, that might be happening next year. Depends. Oh, the world is all upside down, isn't it? Sure. But um, so yes, doing, doing a tour would be, it's possible. It's happening, maybe happening. I don't know. Um, Any trips and- to uh, South America planned? I would be in Peru in a heartbeat, but at the minute, the UK's blocked from going to Peru. I can't, it's on a red list. I can't go. Um, Brian Forrester was like, come out, come out. I'd love to meet with you and work with you. And, um, and Ben's going and Jimmy's going and like loads of the guys from the Egypt tour are going and they're like texting me going, are you going to be there? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no I'm not. Um, um, oh, I, I've also got, um, the, the dream would be, obviously I'm doing YouTube, but the, the dream would be either to do, like I said, like my movie idea or um, to do a bigger show of this and maybe get, you know, get it on an Amazon or a Netflix or something. Um, and I've had, a, I've had an, an offer to, to present. Um, so I, meetings are happening. They're starting to happen. Awesome. So hopefully it could just reach a wider audience. I mean, YouTube's phenomenally massive anyway, but um, if we could infiltrate the mainstream. Right before they notice because at the minute all eyes are on like graham hancock and he's getting banned from like all the mainstream yeah, that's stuff. ridiculous i don't know who i am so i can just get in there <laughs> smile at the front door and then be like i'm worse than graham hancock hi <laughs> <laughs> like oh no we've let her into this mainstream television show but um, she, she's a little too witty 
Graham's very, you know, dry and clear cut. And then you come in and uh, really knock him for a loop with, uh, wait a minute, is she doing comedy or is she being serious? I, some people have a problem with that. Like I'm yes. doing my videos and they're like, my comments, they're like, uh, you can't be, uh, you got, you got to take, take this really seriously. I was like, I am. I just, it's my personality to be a bit silly. But they're like, you can't be goofy and intelligent. I was like, yes, you can. Or someone even said they were like, uh, you can't, you just like makeup. You can't like ancient history and makeup. I was like, I love makeup and I love <laughs> history. Like you, you can be multifaceted human beings. Sounds like trolls. The trolls yeah, out there's there. A, there's a lot of trolls, but I've been on the internet for five years. I've, I've got my troll armor on. I'm ready. <laughs> right. And uh, before we let you go, can you tell people about where to find your videos or website? Or are you doing a podcast yourself? Any merchandise out there yet? No, what do you I, um, I was thinking about merch just because I'd love to do some cool like t-shirt like like a like a like a, a mock band t-shirt like the copper chisels or something right right I could do some fun ancient history stuff um I I've got my YouTube channel which is Johanna James um I call everybody hunters because I feel like I'm an ancient history or ancient technology hunter and I feel like everybody joins the channel they're my hunters so um yeah I should probably design some merch just because I'd love to be be silly with it um and just not something because people do merch and they just put like they just put like their face or their logo on it and i was like i'd i'd like to do much that's also fun like that is good much the brothers of the serpent t-shirt kyle yeah, russ I'm, I'm wearing it for good luck again but that's um that, that to be honest their, their logo to be fair is like a standalone logo like you could you could wear it's cool enough that you could wear it and not necessarily even know who they are but um yeah Oh, it'd make um, a great tattoo. Oh, yes, exactly. So I'm interested in in that. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got loads of tattoos. I'm, oh, and that's something else I want to get. I I'm, I definitely want to get um, an ancient Egypt tattoo. I designed it. I, I set up to go, and then everything all shut with the, the pandemic thing. So I'm waiting for my tattoo artist to be ready, and then I'm going to get. To open up, huh? Yeah, I'm going to get tattered. Awesome. Pyramids or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michelle, do you got anything you want to ask? No, the, this has been very enjoyable to listen to. Very I feel like entertaining. I've talked so much. I've talked so much, but thank you so much, guys. No, this that's is, oh, awesome. I could do this every I love talking about this. So thank you for um being part of the conversation. It's lovely. It's lovely to talk to fellow hunters. You guys are hunters as well. Well, you know, and it's nice to see a, a female face behind this as well that, you know females out there can be interested in ancient history and looking at these things and asking important questions too. I will tell tell you something. So coming from the comedy world, which is also quite a hard place for women to be in, there wasn't like, there was hardly anybody five years ago. There was no girls in England doing like online comedy. I was one of the first females to do that. Um, And the response for um, me joining the ancient history world on youtube online has been so amazing and i've had so many lovely people reach out like um uh ancient architect um ar- architects matt um at annie xt like I've oh had, yeah mm-hmm. i've had lots of people just personally reach out and being like loving your stuff love the fact that you're a girl any help yeah ben was like use any of my footage jimmy was like use any of my footage like everyone's been so lovely and no ego Whereas in the comedy world, totally different story. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a girl doing this. Oh, you're not fun. Oh, God, I don't really th- no offense. I don't find girls very funny. Um, <laughs> and like, 
I'm a hundred percent commit you laugh, so shut up. But um <laughs> but also people because I guess I don't know, like every nobody was that giving or sharing about their comedy content. Nobody would be like, Oh, I'll help you grow. Um, but it's been nothing but like solid love and appreciation and respect from the guys. So I love this community. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, they it it's actually a, a very awesome community. I mean Michelle and I had our experience and, and we decided to start a, a podcast and everybody I've contacted so far, Russ and Kyle, Terry Lovelace, Ben, you, I mean, everybody in the community that's interested in these questions, whether it's UFO, ancient history, where they cross the paranormal, what, what's going on, everybody has just been extremely kind and uh, very, very nice people. And uh, it, I think it's just an, uh, a testament to we want to ask questions. We're all kind of on the same team. We're not playing for anybody's ego or who's yeah, got no the ego. most of this or any of that. It's like we want to find out and be the boots on the ground to find out what's going on. Why does everybody have these blinders on? Why aren't people still asking more questions? It's just you know, I think we're all in the same camp when it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it totally, I'm love, I, I love it. I feel like I found my home in this side of the, the slice yeah. of the, internet. it's brilliant. So, um, love it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you have found a, a good place to, uh, to be, I enjoy your videos and Michelle enjoys them as well. And she really loves your comedy stuff too. Yeah, it's it's great. Well, I double majored in English and theater, so ah, yes. I, I had my acting days years years Fellow ago in thespian. college. Yes. Yeah, if I got like, oh, the dream is if somehow the ban got lifted and I got out to Peru, I would just make so much content. But I'd also, I would love to incorporate some funny stuff in there. In fact, I got in trouble in one of the um in one of the uh, temples in um in in egypt because i said jimmy was like hey i'll you know i'll be your cameraman anything you want me to shoot for your stuff and i was like oh could we film a comedy sketch in the temple and he was like yeah sure um so i bought outside i bought this artifact for like it was like a replica artifact it was like a dollar it was the cheapest thing um and i just did this very you know the classic clutch sketch where i'm in a temple and i pick something up like don't touch you know don't touch the artifacts and i drop it in the temple and i'm like ah so i put that on tiktok um while i was in egypt but obviously it it geo zones to wherever you are so my audience was mainly egyptian people at that time i got so much hate. it went viral but it got viral for hate because people going she's smashing the artifacts ah <laughs> oh, like people taking it literally and thinking and i was like no it was, it was a prop it was a it was a very cheap prop. Like there aren't actually artifacts left in the temples, guys. Like what you what? Um, but yeah, I got a lot of like pushback for that for that joke. Um, so maybe think twice about um, <laughs> pretending to drop an artifact. I was like, guys, it was classic Indiana Jones. Awesome. So, gotta be careful. All right, well, we've kept you for over two hours. <laughs> oh wow, Jeez. we're gonna be one of these long uh, brothers and serpent style lengths. Well, people love it it. you can edit it down you can edit it down yeah no we we're gonna keep it just as it is maybe dogs but you know without the dog and the cats running around no keep the dogs and cats (laughs) he's absolutely he's ko'd on the sofa now yeah he's 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 out of it all right thank you so much guys you guys are awesome 
Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you check out Johanna James on YouTube. Watch her videos. They're amazing. Thank you very much, Johanna. That was such a great interview. She, Absolutely. Oh, Learned. man, she is awesome. Learned so much. Had so much fun. Her her prank of the gift shop item it sounds like something <laughs> that I would do. Yeah, you don't do those kind of things in a foreign country and make fun of their antiquities. But yeah, I mean, just I know she is that person. She wants to be that person that would bridge the gap between researchers and normal people to come into learning about ancient technology and what the evidence is and, and what's really going on. Cause most people are just blind to a lot of this information. And, uh, I think as an educator, she would make a perfect teacher with the way she takes these big concepts. She makes them fun. She makes videos and she can distill it down to easily understandable chunks i would love for her to fly over when i'm covering egyptian mythology and just hang out with me for a couple days oh that would be to talk to the kids yes so seriously we have a special guest today all the way from the uk it's (laughs) show and pond it's show and tell time and i've brought a person from the uk you guys can you beat that yeah nope (laughs) not at all (laughs) awesome Well, that's going to wrap up the podcast for this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We love having these guests on and we've got some more things coming up in the future. So make sure you stick around and listen to that. Yeah. Bringing the story, some of the stories back to our stomping grounds. Yes. So here's a little hint. 1966 Ann Arbor area. All right, everybody. We're out of here. Have a good one. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep your eyes to the sky. You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO sightings and paranormal encounters. So until next time.